0: Hello, I'm Jeff Lester and welcome to Wait, What? A comics and pop culture podcast coming to you from the not-so-solitary fortress that is WaitWhatPodcast.com. This is episode 216, our first Wait, What? episode of 2017. And Graham McMillan and I are back to give you the skinny on Rogue One, a Star Wars story, casting calls for the Inhumans TV show, the ending of Civil War II, the start of the Unbeatable Wasp, Justice League vs. Suicide Squad, re of the Grant Morrison New X-Men run and the original Son of Satan series. Uh, provide your own air quotes around original if you want. Hookjaw, Jabberjaw, Tom Jaw, and so much more in this heaping two-hour, 45-minute-plus edition. Show notes are available at Waitwhatpodcast.com. Leave us comments and questions at and gmail.com, And we invite you to look out for us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Patreon. As always, we hope you enjoy. And thank you for listening. Jeff Lester! Graham McMillan, hello!
1: Happy New Year, even though we spoke last week. (laughs) That was a Baxter building, and so we didn't get to do, like, a Happy New Year opener, because we were talking about the Fantastic Four. So now, Happy New Year, Jeff! Well, thank you, Graham. Happy New Year to you! And Happy New Year, whatnot.
0: Most importantly. (laughs) Yes. First and foremost, above all... Uh, so yeah, wow, well, my goodness, I've got so many things to to say in a completely disorganized, messed up version. Oh, oh.
1: I am on board. Uh,
0: do you, have you written them down? Is there a list? No, it's kind oh, of like, okay. there's a thing can... in my head, and then there's a few other loose talking items. Okay, start with the thing in your head. Well, I do not know if you want to necessarily go there, but just a few hours ago, I got back from seeing, uh, Rogue One, a Star Wars story, uh, for the first time, and I'm like, I have, I have thoughts. I have thoughts. Uh, I, sure. Let, let's talk about that.
1: Uh, let's, let's start with, did you like it? Moving on.
0: Yeah, so the thing that I think is really interesting about uh, Rogue One is I had really not any interest in seeing it. And then I heard some of the various little fan service spoilers. And as you know, and readers of the website know, uh, Matt Turrell really quite liked it as the Star Wars guy uh, that he is. And some of the other Star Wars guys who I respect a tremendous ton, like uh, Dylan Todd uh and jason oh man it's like i'm like whatever jason's last name is oh His i J- suck so jason's bad. last
1: name is like 17 something 17 something 9 <laughs> yeah
0: yeah it exactly so uh, oh it's like isn't it 1749 that's how i always remember it or something so uh, it's 1749, although on right
1: now, because I just looked, it's saying Jason 1984, which I appreciate greatly. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. Thanks for changing it up on us, Jason. Anyway, due to I like and respect, uh, and who have opinions that I generally think are smart, we're like, yeah, this movie. And I'm like, sure. Why not? I kind of want to see it after various enthusiasms. And I went and saw it. And I have to say that, um, Ah, there's like one idea that I find remarkably interesting. And then everything else is more just me complaining about how terrible it is. And then a certain amount of time of me, um, bitching and complaining, like, what's wrong with me that I didn't like the Star Wars movie? So I welcome to my worlds, Jeff. Oh, really? Okay. See, this is it. I, Mm -hmm. I said,
1: I said this, uh, God, maybe the last podcast of the year. Um, it's a movie I like less the more I think about it. Uh huh. Like, in the theater, it, it was fine. I, I mean, but just fine. At no point was I like, this is a good film, cause I just don't think it is. Uh, but like, you know, the, the, the moment, the fan service moments do their job. Hmm. You know? You're like, it's Darth Vader, great, I like Darth Vader, I'm sure I like this film. <laughs> and then... Then the more I thought about it, the more I was like, Oh god, that just didn't work. That just did not work for me at all. There's so much about this film that didn't work for me.
0: Yeah, it's uh it's it's really a um well, so let me tell you
1: the okay. one let, Let's. Let's go with the interesting part for you. What part did you like? Uh,
0: the part that I liked, and like is is not... It's, <laughs> it's too strong. It, what parts did you find interesting? The part that I found really interesting, thank you for being able to frame that for me appropriately. The thing that I found really interesting is, is that Rogue One is a movie that is constantly at war with itself, and the way that it does so most prominently and interestingly is the way in which there's a there's sort of a quick like there's a there's a shape to the early part of Rogue One which which suggests interestingly enough um, a world that I think some of us are familiar with which is basically the world of Tumblr you know Um <laughs> oh my god
1: you 're going to have to unpack that well the... in part because when you said there 's a shape to the early
0: part of Rook One, part of me wants to be like oh, really there is, but the the reason why it 's very confusing is is that it only seems to work on a visual thematic level and does not really seem to make any sort of sense once you start once you move from the visual level to any of the sort of storytelling you get um, what could best be described as a conflict. So Tumblr, the Tumblr part of the movie that I find interesting is the idea that the Rebel Alliance is actually an alliance of people of different cultures and uh, races who have to come together to fight sort of the evil white patriarchy and have to figure out whether or not white women are allies to be trusted or not. <laughs> you know? That's fascinating. So, um, it's fascinating because I've seen
1: a lot of commentary along those lines for the film. Mm. And what sinks it for people who are taking it seriously uh, uh, on that level for me mm-hmm. is the fact that, for me, Rogue One is a story where uh basically the struggles of Minorities are championed and taken over by the white woman
0: well it's actually you know what see this is this is where I think things there's all there's all sorts of areas where things go really awry, but like I said, the basic setup when you have all these people of Colors and races and cultures who are part of the alliance, and then being very dubious about bringing in this this one white woman, like I said, visually that's the o- sort of the only way that it's primatic, sort of uh, presented once you get into the story it's actually uh, has lots of d- despite the alliance being um, looked at that way, like I said through a visual lens. Unfortunately, one of the things that's kind of weird and creepy and wrong about Rogue One is the way in which people of color are thematically not necessarily to be trusted. Like, uh, Diego Luna, uh, you know, who's very much seen early on being the sort of guy that would, you know, betray allies to the cause, and I think uh, especially the very, very strange take that the movie has on uh morgan freeman which you mean forrest whitaker sorry shit forrest whitaker good lord all right woo you know the worst part is is even while i was looking at it, I'm like oh yeah forrest whitaker it's they it doesn't even look like morgan freeman anyway I, I it's always frustrating when you've got actors with like f's in their names apparently i'm lucky i didn't say like frederick forrest or anyway uh Forrest Whitaker is basically a weird visual representation of, you know, sort of what war does to one, but he ends up being this strange mesh of Darth Vader and, uh weirdly enough, one of the Weirdo dudes from Dune, like there's a weird ambivalence <laughs> thing about Dune that's going on in in the background of this movie that's really weird. Like they roll out a psychic squid thing at one point for like no reasons whatsoever. But the the thing that it, they sort of frame the story is is um, again plot. You know, visually it's like, hey, it's the Alliance and they're people of color. And then as you delve into the the actual plot rolling along it's like and they're not to be trusted because their battles with the man slash colonialism have left them scarred um Mm -hmm. and essentially have had to make so many compromises that they have lost sight of quote-unquote hope which can only be represented in the form of uh Miss Cipher who has no real character whatsoever. Oh to god, her. yeah, don't don't
1: get me started on that. Yeah, but, um, the other thing is that for like for a movie that I think very purposefully is trying to go look, we are we have a racially diverse cast. Mm-hmm. Um, they also go to great lengths, consciously or subconsciously, so that none
0: of those. So the only people who have power in the rebellion are the white people. Well, I don't think that that's necessarily an accident. There, there is a lot of the movie as it goes on where you flip back and forth between the Empire dudes on the control ship, which are white guys making the decisions, and back to uh, General Strongchin, who is like a white guy in control, who's more or less oh, telling but, the. Rebellion but also, what he's reporting. Do. He's reporting to um on mothma right. who's the white woman yeah. the only person
1: to listen to is uh, other that's not true there's also fish guy mm-hmm. never forget the C- importance of cgi people <laughs> when you're talking about minorities um <laughs> but the, the you know there's there's a scene where like the only person they're listening to is uh Felicity Jones mm-hmm. uh but there are there is uh there's a black woman and there's Jimmy Smiths both of whom get overruled
0: yeah yeah, Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's
1: mm-hmm. one of those, like, hey, you can have a seat at the table, but if you think we're going to listen to you.
0: Right. Well, and I mean, there's a way in which I'm not necessarily opposed to that. I mean, I'm opposed to it I in did, the sense that, did, that it's accidental. wrong. Well, see, I, and this is I the problem. I don't think they thought about it. I, the everything about the movie, like I said, there's all it, it's like they weren't really thinking too closely about it. it. Is the way it feels either that, or they're trying to really craft a movie in which, you know, the whole idea is that that people uh, of color and cultures who fight against colonialism will end up being negated. And the only thing that you can really hope for is more powerful white people to come along and save your ass. And I I don't,
2: I don't think. No, of course not.
0: No. I mean, why would they? I mean, that's a horrible message. Even, even if you take the idea of uh, Lucas's sort of cyclical concept, you know, the idea that, that the rebels will eventually become the empire and et cetera, et cetera, you know, his, his mm, somewhat uh, cynical and savvy take from like a new from you know s- sort of suggested uh, at the end of a new hope uh you kind of have uh, and also like explicitly in the the prequels yeah and exactly I- explicitly in the prequels uh you know is part of me is like kind of like oh okay <clears throat> i don't necessarily have have I don't think they're going for it or giving it any thought but if it ends up that like, you know, 13 movies down the line or whatever, they're they're like, yeah, uh and the reason why the the rebellion essentially falls apart and becomes the empire all over again is is that once things are won over, the people of color are more or less shunted out of the power structure and the old white people who have been standing there at the table giving commands end up becoming the rulers who then act in their own interests and essentially, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. That being said, like, it's buried so, so deep. Uh Felicity Jones's <laughs> character is really, um it's horrible what they did to... That character in so many ways, in that they no, it's, they don't it's give just, her a personality, or they remove all the personality, any, and they take away all the hero moments from her, Absolutely. which is really, really irritated. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Especially at, I mean, the movie's been out for a month. I think it's fair to say that everyone will have
0: seen it. Who cares about it at this point, yes, right? right. <laughs> No, but do, do, do no, you no, no. I appreciate you trying to put your spoilers in, um, you know, ten minutes after I've been ranting about it, but I mean, I'll, I'll have oh, to- Oh, no, no,
1: no, no but I'm now. going to like explicitly do a plot, plot spoiler here. So, yeah, oh, you I know, I, yeah I'm, please, yeah. Um, when Cassian saves her at the top of the- the- yes. he saves her from Krennic, that is the most needless thing in the world. Yeah. Yeah, like there's there's no reason why she can't have the confrontation and deal with Krennic herself, especially because Cassian literally comes back from the dead yeah. to save her and then dies two minutes later.
0: Yeah, everything about that is just shitty. It's just it's so bad and ah, it's awful. I. I it, I know that we sh- I should stick to complaining just about how poorly made the movie is on a script basis and what a big jumble is. But I have to say I was also appalled at how poorly the action was done and how this is maybe the most hor- horribly edited movie I think I've seen in some time. It's really dull. Uh, someone had actually linked on Twitter to uh, an interview with the movie's editors. uh Oh, or at least two the, of them. Is that, is that the Yahoo thing? That, have you read that interview? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I. Did. That,
1: just when they talk about how the movie was put together, that blew my fucking mind. I thought I was cynical about movies beforehand,
0: and then I read that interview. You know, and uh, uh, for those who are wondering, I mean, hopefully I'll find a show link and throw it in. But the the basic gist of it is is that it was such a jumble, and put splicing the movie together was so strange that they took their treatment and the editors more or less looked at every action that uh, was done in the movie. They were more or less told to turn around and rip about 200 films and throw them on their hard drives and basically go through those movies looking for similar sequences to figure out how long everything would take. Which is... Like atrocious, and what's amazing is is how much the movie suffers for it. It is paced like fucking s- the oh, it's, thick it's, ass it's, syrup it is, just pouring out right of the, the worst, oh. most poorly constructed
1: successful movie. It is like in memory. Oh my I, god! I, like because you mean you look at something like Suicide Squad, which is is really poorly constructed, mm-hmm. but. At least that movie had like at least the audience rejected that movie, Do you know what I mean <laughs> like
0: rockquad is the second most successful movie of twenty sixteen and is a nightmare narratively i i mean it's not to me it's an it's a nightmare narratively it's a nightmare in the sense of how it's edited it's a nightmare in the their sense of like the character motivation i mean honestly oh, it, everything about i genuinely as like, so i said
1: everything every, yeah. the more i think about this film the more i'm like oh
0: that film's just a
1: disaster yeah no it, like i it, I really feel it, like it skates by by going do you remember star wars <laughs> do you remember it's of
0: the jedi do you remember when you liked those films? Yeah. Here's here's those films again. You know, I guess. I mean, part of me is is that because I, I think there is a little bit of it. I, the opening, in particular, uh, the, you know, where they more or less bite their little um, sequence from uh, the opening of *Inglorious Bastards* or whatever, but uh, was just at least it kind of had such visual snap. And there was a, a few other points where it was like. You know, I mean, I part of me appreciated. They're like, you know, what a grand and glorious tradition of Star Wars is ripping off other movies. So we're going to take the some of these visuals that are kind of like, uh, you know, if Sergio Leone had like tried to direct a science fiction movie. And we also have Donnie Yen, and he's going to be playing essentially Zatoichi. In a Star Wars movie. And part of me is like, yeah, so do we tune a Star Wars movie? I'm totally, I can't hate on this. But as it went on more and more, there was such a, um, like, Star Wars Rogue One is basically the ikea furniture version of a star wars movie right it, I, I it, also, it's just a big bag of elements that they figure that you have to assemble like yeah, oh I, but also
1: know. like that you liked before it really felt like mm-hmm. if you like that you'll like this all um because of that it feels one of the ways in which it really feels for me is it feels really cynical in a way that star wars
0: movies don't it it feels really cynical in a way that, to me, most Star Wars movies do not. I don't know. What do you mean by cynicism? You mean cynical uh, in the making of it or what yes, it's trying yes, c- to achieve? Cynical, c-
1: no, cynical in the construction of
0: it. Oh, okay. Because, I mean – like
1: For for all that The Force Awakens was clearly like, you know, A New Hope or the remix, mm-hmm. it seemed sincere in its fandom. Mm. And this genuinely just
0: feels like if you liked it before, you'll like it now.
2: Uh,
0: I I totally get that. I mean, to me, it feels a little bit more like kind of the opposite. And this is going to sound weird, which is that I feel that J.J. Abrams is cynical enough that he knows that it's very important to carefully ape the fanboys. Sort of the same way that you get an anthropologist like you know, sort of sneaking into, like, uh, uh, a herd of gorillas and you don't want to make any, like, weird motions and, like, get ripped apart. Like, J.J. Abrams is like, okay, yeah, I'm going to sit here, I'm going to figure out what works, and then, you know, I'm more or less going to do my thing. Uh, Rogue One really feels like Star Wars fanboys who are like, you know what? One of the things that's very important to Star Wars is is that people are presented over chasms. And it's super important that you've gotta have someone jump across a chasm, otherwise it's not Star Wars. You know, you <laughs> gotta have, like, hey, inappropriate say, romantic- Say what flirting. you like about Jyn so she can climb up ladders. You know, she really can. Like, wow. It's an achievement. And, uh, it's- Ah, you know, it's this sassy back talk. Like, they're like, oh yeah, Star Wars movie, you don't need a, you don't need characterization, you just gotta have sassy back talk, where someone's all Did like- Did you have a sassy robot? Oh yeah, the sassy, a sassy robot. robot. Yeah, well, and again, this gets back to this weird thematic thing of the sassy robot in this one was, is a reprogrammed Imperial droid. And, Again, there's that idea that's supposed to be nine million drafts ago. There was something that was basically kind of a nature or nurture idea behind this, you know, movie. And again, the the idea that uh, the main character is talking about hope by the end of things uh, oh, it's just it's just so bad they've they've fucked that movie up but 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 really. she's talking
1: about it because she's literally stealing it, stealing the line off of Diego Luna's character earlier in the film <laughs> which is another reason another thing that really got me pissed off because if you look at the victories that she has in the movie mm-hmm. they are few and far between yeah but when i was i had this argument with my hollywood reporter editor. and i was like she does nothing like, literally, the most she accomplishes is she fucking climbs up things. Yeah. And it's like, she gives a speech that inspires everyone. Yeah. And I was like, no, because she doesn't. The line she uses to inspire people is actually given by Diego Luna earlier on, so she steals it. And secondly, it doesn't inspire everyone. Diego Luna inspires everyone in the next scene. Yeah. By going, we've all done terrible
0: things. Yeah. This bunch of white guys behind me have all done terrible things as well. Uh... And uh you know I I I totally get what you're saying but that's supposed to be the speech of you have won us over and inspired us. It's just sure, his it's... you have inspired us speech is more inspiring than her here I am inspiring you speech and all of it is like I know what it's meant to be Jeff but it's not. Oh of course not. I mean that's it. That's really what Rogue 1 should be called. Rogue 1 a star you know it should be a Star Wars movie but it's not. And uh it 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 really um, like I said. The weird part is is you know, particularly now where we're sitting, and actually for the, over the last few years, I would think that a Star Wars movie, for, for that matter, just any fucking movie that can tell us how a, a ragtag argumentative group of quote unquote allies can actually become an alliance. You know, because this is super important to us right now. We've got this very weird situation where the left and neoliberals are still continuing to snipe at one another and meanwhile there's some crazy, really troubling shit going down. Yeah, there
1: there's there's some scary, scary fucking shit happening.
0: Yeah. And you still have people being
1: like, I don't know. I think Bernie could have taken it, and other people have been like, "Are you joking?" Right. And it's just like, why are we having that conversation? Yeah, yeah. Have you seen what's actually happening?
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. I mean, there's just a ton of stuff that's really uh, weirding me out. So it's it's been a it's been a weird like to get off Rogue One
1: for a second. Mm-hmm. It's been a weird week, right? Mm-hmm. Like like news wise. Oh yeah. It's been. It's been so. I was thinking this this morning. I am. Um, I try not to be a paranoid person, Jeff. Mm-hmm. I really try not. Uh, I we're heading into the point where I almost feel like
0: not being a paranoid person is denying reality. <laughs> no, I, I, I think I know what you mean. To depending on where your point of view of paranoia is, um, yeah, I think that there's a very uncomfortable area at least for myself as you know i'm already uh very much paranoid and and very much a pinko and for myself i find there's a, the degree of sort of obstructionism that seems to be happening i'm like i, I ugh, yeah anyway so it's and by obstructionism i'm sorry i actually mean again the idea that any sort of alliance in the on 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 the quote unquote left seems so regularly to kind of get um, torn apart. And for that matter, the uh, degree of minimizing that seems to be happening. I mean, the, the media just seems like a huge hot mess. Things are either ridiculously overheated and underreported or, uh, strangely minimized and swept under the rug in a way that makes me really uncomfortable. Like I find myself like never have I found Twitter, like a less reliable source of just about anything. And yet it's also the only place at which I can feel like I'm getting anything like, if not the real story, at least a sense of what's going on uh, with the rest of the country, in a way, you know. I mean, just uh, t- t- Twitter. Twitter is actually where, like, my
1: okay, this is getting too paranoid. Uh, thing came from yesterday because I was reading. Because, of course, everyone is like, "Here's a thread with what's really going on," and I can't help myself but follow those fucking like rabbit holes. Mm-hmm. Like, follow, and when I saw the. Uh, not only is Trump an agent for the Russians, but so is Jill Stein. And if you think about it, what about Bernie Sanders? That's when I was like, okay, I'm stepping away from the fucking computer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. See, it's not just when you see that,
1: it's when you see that and you're like, yeah, why hasn't Bernie Sanders said anything about Russian hacking? Do you know what I mean? Like, that's when you have to step away.
0: Well, You know what? For me, I mean, see, this is it. Everyone's got these like takes. It's like, why the fuck did Cory Booker like, You know, vote against the goddamn amendment that, you know, would have gotten us, like, Canadian drugs. Like, there's just so much, like, I don't understand. My personal feeling is is that Bernie uh, is positioning himself in a situation where, because he was considered such a viable alternative to Trump. I feel that he doesn't have really any interest in the, the Russian hacking stuff. Isn't going to do anything other than alienate people more or less kind of semi on his side. His main interest is more about like, let's Let's get things done. Let's fight against this stuff. Now, that being said, there's uh, – it is pretty discouraging that, for example, uh, on the day that – was it today that Trump um, shit-talked John Lewis? Twice. Oh. Twice.
1: Did yeah. you know that? He did that again.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, well, what you know. fucker. And that's – you know, that's the strangest thing to me. I honestly thought I was as upset at him as I could be. Mm-hmm. And then when I saw that he said all talk, no action yeah. about John Lewis, I'd, I was like, oh, I, I, I actually have, I have, I have found a way to be more angry at him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I somehow feel like he has somehow gone even more beyond the pale. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. if you think of everything else, he's fucking done. I don't know why this in particular just made me go, oh, fuck you. Mm-hmm. But it really did. It really did.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's. It's just this – we're in this really weird zone where it seems like no matter what happens or he does, whatever he does, there's like – there's just this incredible ball of inertia that seems to surround him so that there's no real point at which people are like, okay, this is enough. And I mean everyone is sort of like, okay, this is enough, but only on weird individual – like. Person by person basis, and again, exactly like why? How can
1: it really is the the not even the Buzzfeed report, but the CNN report before that mm-hmm. that was basically like, hey, so it turns out that all of the U.S. intelligence services <laughs> agree that you know uh, Russia hacked the or or influenced the election right. uh, to get Trump, I uh, think, and yeah. also the they also believe that Trump is has the Russia's compromising material on Trump, mm-hmm. and that was the point where I was like, "Why now? Can we not just go? Let's even just delay the inauguration." No, exactly. Like, like yeah. why is this not the point? Why is? And lots of people were like, "I said this in Twitter," and lots of people uh, were like, "Well, no, because then you're you're setting a really dangerous precedent." And I was just like, "I don't know," because if Hillary had won, mm-hmm. and they went we have evidence that Hillary might be being blackmailed by a foreign power I'd be okay with her being delayed as well well of course you would you know I mean? yeah. it's like I, I, I'm I, okay with the bar for maybe let's not, let's not make this person president is what if they might
0: be blackmailed by someone into doing something I I, I I mean, the thing that's crazy about all this shit with Trump is how we've gotten to the level where I, I used to say there was like a Phil Dick novel. Then came the Jean McCarrie thing. And now it's sort of in some weird, it's like a Terry Southern novel, isn't it? Don't you think? I really felt once the whole Golden Shower stuff came out. I'm just like, okay, I don't understand how all this shit is happening before the inauguration and everyone, I mean, and, and it's fine. Yes, and and this is it. The weird, the weird, terrifying thing about uh, Casey Green's amazing "This Is Fine" cartoon is is that it might have actually been come out too early. You know, like back then when people were kind of like, "Oh my god, this really captures the tenors of the times." You know, this is much more like, "Why the fuck isn't anyone doing anything?" I just don't get what end of the i mean i just i really am weirded out by the idea of like yeah we might be electing a russian mole uh president in you know uh just a few, few days. days now and yeah. and it, it's kind of blows my mind i really don't understand i i have had
1: so many people so many people say to me oh they're only letting it go ahead so they can uh impeach him yeah. and that honestly seems like the greatest denialism in the yeah, world. That, that, I I mean, like, yeah, absolutely have, not. Why would they do that? And yeah. also, what makes you think they're going to impeach him? Yeah. Who's going to impeach him at this point?
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah.
1: But yeah, so, so basically, welcome everyone to Wade Wad 2017, We're All Fucked Edition. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Actually, do, do you know the part this week where I, I even before the, the Jill Stein thing, uh, like, Jocelyn is also a Russian bull thing, um, where I was like, I, this is going beyond parody now. Mm-hmm. The, not even the C-SPAN is taken over by the Russian uh, state news mm-hmm. thing,
0: which you saw, right? Uh, I saw that it happened. I didn't. Okay, yeah, for, t- a
1: real t- for it. 10 minutes, C-SPAN's yeah. feed was hijacked by Russia Today. Yeah. Okay. Wacky. The next day, I I think it was MSNBC. It might have been CNN. Mm-hmm. Um, their feed was, had a weird glitch where someone was talking uh, about the Trump Russia thing and the feed looped for two minutes. Wow. Going Russia, 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 Russia. Which again, I'm sure it's just a glitch, but that yeah. particular glitch the day after the C-SPAN thing, I was like, oh, if this was a film, people would be walking out
0: at this point. Yeah, right. Cause, cause it is. It was just like, oh come on guys, this isn't, this isn't the way that real life works. Uh, and, and it is fascinating to me the extent to which all of us seem very dramatically, um, unprepared for uh what's happening I mean just sort of emotionally, but also there is a little bit of this strange like i don't know i just i i really don't i- re- it it's uh it's it's a little baffling, but hey, in terms of comics i'm fascinated by trump's <laughs> ties to the comics industry right like you've well, got carl icon and ike perlmuter yeah ike perlmuter and john lewis i'm like huh that's weird like huh? carl icon as well carl icon is, is is part of the trump administration oh is he really oh jesus christ yeah wow
1: so yeah it's uh it's you maybe didn't see but abram Reisman from vulture said uh basically when perlmuter is officially part of the trump administration it'll be interesting to see who walks out of marvel and I was like, why would anyone walk out kind of Marvel? Yeah. What makes you think anyone is going to do that?
0: Yeah, nobody's going to walk out at Marvel. I mean, who knows? I'll be – I'd be excited if we were proven wrong. But
1: no, yeah, that, of course I, not. as well. Like, I'd love to be wrong, but yeah. it's, it's – I, I,
0: I, I mean, I think that – uh I <laughs> I think Marvel has some horrible days ahead in, uh, in the, just the extent of this free overship thing looks <laughs> –
2: Oh,
1: everything does not look good for Marvel. Can we... Okay, let's slide on to Marvel. Unless Are you finished with Rogue One? Because we totally got off the subject for a second. Oh, yeah. yeah, Right, right. (laughs) exactly.
0: Got off the subject for a second. No, no, no. We were were totally still thematically on topic since we were talking about how empires fall. (laughs)
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, Okay, so talking about empires, Secret Empire, Jeff. Oh, yeah. Mm. So Secret Empire A... Did not seem like the best idea even before the the teaser started. Secondly, with everything that's going on right now, uh, note, see everything we've just been talking about. Calling something Secret Empire and have it be about fake Nazis taking over Captain America and therefore America seems (laughs) ill-timed. The teasers have been so amazingly half-assed. Staggeringly so. to the point where part of me was like, has Marvel itself kind of given up on this ahead of time? They did. Because you know how they used to do daily teasers? Yes. They dumped all six of them in one day, in one fucking email this week.
0: Mm. And does that not seem super strange? Uh, yes. I mean, it does.
1: and it- Like, so much of what Marvel is doing right now seems really strange. But that in particular... And then, of course, it was followed up by the John Cassidy promotional art, which... I feel is John Cassidy trying to win a bet about, do you think I'd lost it or not? <laughs> and, you know, proving that he has,
0: have you seen the John Cassidy art for I don't think I have. Yeah, no, I have
1: to oh, check this I, out. Yeah, Here, I'm going to have to look this up in email and send it to you because it's, um, it's, do you remember John Cassidy was really good?
0: Yes. I mean, and I'm one of those people that uh, was completely mistaken and thought that his stuff was entirely enjoyable on the recent Star Wars thing, you know, which everyone admits is not really good. Okay, let's see here. Cassaday, the new secret i uh, part no, of I'm, I'm looking. At, I'm, I'm sending it to you right now. If you oh. check your email right now, you'll have it. Uh, yeah, that looks that looks really terrible. I, is, is is that, that the really one where everyone's right? like just everyone's running towards this thing, and at least three of the characters look like toys? Oh yeah. And, and they're all hunched over. Like but it's weird in the not I'm fascinated by the way that you've got Spider-Man front and center and it and it looks like it looks like a re it's it's like someone who's like, "Oh yeah, Jack Kirby, sure I know. You got to they're coming right at you and the, it's it's dynamic and people are bent over cuz they're like also pooping, you know. And yet uh Looks- but don't forget, in the background, you do have Nazi Captain America doing a
1: Nazi salute behind his shield. Oh, yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, subtlety, everyone. But on that image, which we will put in the show notes for everyone who hasn't seen it, um, if you look to the right of that image, in mm-hmm. particular, everything on the right of Spider-Man looks terrible. Oh yeah. The Black Bolt looks atrocious. The Black Widow looks atrocious. The Deadpool looks like maybe John Cassidy has forgotten what feet look like and how ankles work. Oh, it's yeah. like you said. I very mean, it, it's it's really bad. It's an amazingly bad thing. And here's also the thing that annoyed me the most about this image: Black Panther's involvement. Mm. I don't know why. I cannot explain it. But Black Panther being included in this image seems amazingly
0: upsetting to me. Really? Yeah. I don't know why. Huh? Because I mean, honestly, the Secret Empire image is. Uh, You know, like 80% everything that Marvel has going for it, and then 20% everything Marvel's trying to shove (laughs) down our throats, right? So, you know, Black Panther sells a lot of books. He's going to be on there. It's like, oh, Rocket Raccoon, yeah, sure. You know, Deadpool, right, you know. Old Man Logan and Spider Man, you know, and meanwhile, I have to say though, I'm really glad you pointed this out because honestly, that Black Bolt is amazing. I mean, I honestly. It's really bad. I mean, it's, really it's great. It's really like, um, that his face is like, I've never. Only John Cassidy would be look at Black Bolt and be like, yeah, he's like Alfred E. Newman, but you know, with a black mask on, you know? Because. Uh, th-
1: this So that image was sent out the day after six teaser images were dumped in the same email.
0: To to be fair, and Graham, are, you're being overly generous by referring to them as images. That's true. Yeah, They go, the Secret Empire
1: will amaze you. The Secret Empire will avenge you. The Secret Empire will champion you. The Secret Empire will defend you. The Secret Empire will guard you. And then my favorite, we live in exciting times. <laughs> Secret Empire. <laughs> that last one in particular is so <laughs> hilariously like, fuck. What are we gonna do for the X Men? Yeah. Uh, uh, the Secret Empire is uncanny. No, no, no. They're not all called Uncanny X Men anymore. Shit. Um, the Secret Empire is exacting. No, that's not gonna work. Um, the Secret Empire will excite you. No, no, no. That we've already done the will. Blank
0: you five times before this. Why don't we say we live in exciting times? See, that's, this is what I don't even get is, as you do it the other five, why are you gonna like suddenly like break outside why of was, the box?
2: The
0: yes. It's just so bad. And again, I, I have to say, it's, they're, it's, they're not teaser images. They're basically a logo that We're someone not, like, are,
1: you they're know, the logo that someone has, has added a tagline to in Photoshop. Yeah. Like, and again, but six, all six arrived in the same email. Yeah. Yeah. Which is just... What? What? Oh, God, what's happening? Um, <laughs> if the teaser image, the actual image, the John Cassidy image, is what I think it is, uh-huh. I think the reason that uh, Black Panther upsets me so much is if that is the team that Captain America convinces to, Steve Rogers convinces to join him and therefore do the bidding of the Secret Empire, Black Panther being a, a fake Nazi really upsets me. Yeah, really upsets me like far more than fucking Wolverine or Spider-Man or Captain Marvel also Captain Marvel's involvement is hilarious mm-hmm. just after fans are upset at Civil War 2 destroying her character now she gets to be a fake Nazi right. joy <laughs> uh, <laughs> Black, Panther, Black Panther's involvement really upsets me mm-hmm. uh, it, it's, i I sure he's a, he's a I guess well selling character actually how well does
0: Black Panther sell Ah, uh, at least out of the gate, like strong enough that they were going to be like, okay, we're definitely putting them in the next uh, crossover, I would think. I mean, things I've, have settled I down see, to a realistic level, but those first four issues were insane. Yeah, let's let's see
1: what the, the book is actually selling. Because mm-hmm. uh, 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 we've got the first, do we have the January? No, we, we'll have the December sales out, right? I think so. You come on websites, December twenty sixteen. <laughs> Black Panther. Well, that's not a good sign. <laughs> yeah, it's selling thirty nine thousand copies.
0: Well, sure. Now it is, but um, that's that's after it's bled a lot. Didn't weren't the sales overall, especially for the first arc, very strong? The, the, definitely, for the first issue, were amazingly strong. Yeah. Like,
1: it's so much so that Marvel put out a press release going, oh, this is the best-selling book this year. Mm-hmm. So so part of me is, I'm sure so at the it, time, they're like... So "Like It wasn't. It was like, it's the best-selling book this year because it's like February. <laughs> 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 but it was. It was like, you know, maybe that's not true. It must have been like April or something at lunch, But it was really early on. It wasn't actually great. Like the next month, there was a book that sold better. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Marvel was so excited that they were like, oh, shit, you guys. Black <laughs> Panther. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so issue two yeah so issue one sold three hundred thousand wow. issue two sold seventy thousand mm-hmm. uh issue three
0: sold what do you think the drop is seventy
1: five thousand so yeah it stayed up th- yeah the first series. it
0: stayed up pretty pretty high up there for a while it wasn't it wasn't until things i think everyone tried to or the majority of people tried to give it the um at least the first arc which is short it's four or five issues right and, yeah and so i think when you get to the end of that arc there's a lot of people who are like okay see ya you know because it's well, either I
1: also, well i think also what might have happened is uh brian selfree stepped off and i think people might have been like oh i thought
0: this was like 12 issues of the two of them hmm
2: uh,
0: maybe Maybe, I mean, I think, and I could be wrong, that I think there's a lot of people who came for Black Panther for ta Codes. Oh, I tell, I tell a lie, issue five went well, yeah. up. Did five go up?
1: Yeah, yeah. significantly, 83,000, that's 10,000 more than the previous issue. Yeah,
0: see, so I don't think that it was still freezing oh,
1: then, at all. Oh, yeah, and then six dropped considerably. Yeah. That's really interesting, I wonder if there must have been some incentive. Uh, do you think because I, I for, th- for five for five to go up ten thousand and then
0: it's a drop like thirty thousand the next month? Well, either so, yeah, either there's some crazy the variant there, or it's the beginning of an arc. They might have been thinking that they were going to get more people jumping on at the beginning of the next arc, and instead they got people jumping off, and so they they had to start cutting orders to try and find their bottom and. Thirty nine thousand. We'll see oh if, it's that, uh, yeah. if it's
1: lower. Sales, the sales of Black Panther are amazingly inconsistent. Yeah. Uh, so it went from eighty three thousand to fifty eight thousand to sixty three thousand,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then and then dropped considerably to forty three thousand, which is where it's been for the last two issues.
0: Yeah. I I think I think that's wacky. I, well, I think I think that Black Panther is a really rare. Bird you know it's got people i I think honestly retailers ordered big, sold big, got a lot of you know people in there, but I think that it's quite possible that there are a lot of people who are picking it up who were either you know a a volatile mix let's say between shorthand speculators and maybe even like new readers. Altogether, I I, I, you know? I
1: legit think the Black
0: Panther got new readers. I, I really think so do. too. I think so too, and I think a lot of those people uh, spent a few issues trying to figure out how they were going to read the book. You know, like, and that may mean that they are people that aren't uh, trained to come into the shop every week or even necessarily every month, and so you're seeing a real roller coaster because you're not getting that that traditional five-day window and then that's it um, that you get for a lot of other single issues. And I think also there's a lot of people who were picking it up and being like, "Uh, I kind of, um, I just would like to read it all in one go. You know, and people telling them, well, you can probably wait for the trade paperback. You know, so I I think, so I think, so for me, I think that Black Panther is a... You think it's enough of a draw that Marvel's like this is definitely going in the next? Oh console. yeah, I think so. I, th- I think so. I mean, if you, even if depending on how long this was going on, I think if you count backwards enough, yeah, I think they were totally like, you know, because some of these plans are several months old. It wouldn't surprise. Well, I, me. I, and also, the movie's out next year. Yeah. Well, I, you know,
1: it's. It, uh, I mean, Black, Black. I have to say, is no, is no, but really, the movie the
0: movie's out next year, so Marvel's going to want to have the character in products that it can put out oh yeah no i i agree and again it's no surprise that you also have logan who's got a, a another movie coming out and deadpool who's got another movie coming out and the guardians who have another movie coming out you know and spider yeah and spider-man so you know again it's like what about that image does not look um cynical and depressing to you. You know, it's like even if it was well, illustrated. Black Bolt. Yeah, Black Bolt. <laughs> Just because Black Bolt's face, man, I got to tell you, Black Bolt looks hilarious. I, and I, you know, I make that joke cuz they're fucking not that Black Bolt TV show, that
1: Inhumans TV
0: show. Oh yeah, let's talk about the Inhumans uh, TV show because that was kind of uh I saw a lot of people um I don't know, not up in arms, I suppose, but a lot of people who were uh moved to violent amusement, of which you might have been one, over the release of is it the casting description? Yes. Oh, have you seen them? I I saw I saw I saw a handful. I saw like three or four. I I probably saw it, but it uh everyone else seemed to be making fun of some of the extreme names and all I saw was shit like
1: it's, it's it's hilarious. Uh, let's see, have I found it? Yeah. Okay, so here are, because it's generic names. Right. Because, of course, I'm not going to say, like, Blackagar Baltagon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here, because it's not just the names that are hilarious, it's also the description.
0: Yeah. Oh, the ready? description is amazing. Yeah, yeah, please.
1: Broderick, 30 to 40. Caucasian, can say volumes with just a look. Strong, thoughtful, and private. Marjorie. <laughs> female. 30 to 40. I love how they thought to put female in there. Yeah. Caucasian, an elegant and intelligent advisor to her husband. She struggles to find her place outside of their relationship, as others tend to view her as just a pretty face. Strong and resourceful, she's not afraid to break the rules when the situation demands it. Oh, God. Marty, 30 to 40. Caucasian, brotherish younger brother. (laughs) <laughs> he is intelligent, charming, and articulate. He comes across as a man of the people, but secretly covets power. Kevin. <laughs> 30 to 40. slight of build. His mind isn't as great as I said. Always prepared with a plan. His outlook on life is the glass is always half empty and often cracked and dirty as well. Though his outlook can be grim, he has a droll, dry sense of humour. Grady. 25 to 35 Impetuous and brash He has serious impulse control issues Which frequently get him into trouble Whether it's a woman, booze or fighting He loves life and lives in the moment For better or worse Christine 18 to 25 Soulful but still learning the ways of the world She has the arrogance of youth Impetuous and independent She is also deeply devoted to her family Timothy 25 to 35 SFX MU required. Supremely athletic, the ultimate picture of cool. He's calm under pressure and willing to do anything to get the job done.
0: I mean, doesn't all of that sound terrible? Oh, it all sounds terrible. Yeah. Who Who is Timothy supposed to be? Which one is he? Triton. Oh, Triton. Of course. Thank you. Oh, right. That would be why there's the SFX. All right. Yeah. So, Kevin and Grady. Kevin and Grady. <laughs> It's awesome.
1: If you're still listening to this podcast, please at some point have some reason in the Royal series to use these names for the characters. Oh yeah, I, I, uh
0: it is fascinating, isn't it? It's, it's just, um, it, it again, it's just, it just, it sounds
1: like someone has literally read like maybe two comics, and then extrapolated in such a very
0: dull direction.
1: The Medusa one in particular.
0: Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, come on. We've got, that's actually a very good description, I feel, of most of Jeff Loeb's moves as the head (laughs) of Marvel television, frankly. You know, he's kind of like, oh yeah. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the most Marvel show in the world. They had Ghost Rider. He was totally there. I mean that's it is it is scary. It's so scary how much Agents of Shield is like Hey, we've got Deathlock for you and Ghost Rider. I mean it's it should all be it's all but called <laughs> no, like really. the Jeff Lester Power Hour, you know? Oh, and yet no, I'm still because no, like, it would break your heart if you watched well, it. Well which is Deathlock why I haven't
1: watched it. De- yeah. Deathlock would would reduce you to tears. Yeah. Yeah. You'd be like, he kind of looks like Deathlock, but what the fuck have they done to him? <laughs>
0: Yep. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's kind of kind of amazing. I'm I have to say it's times like this where I'm very glad that I we have the comic books to read. Like you can actually read comic books and get your comic book fix via comics and not wait for the actual terrifying TV shows. But, uh, <laughs> hey, but this is a big deal. It's going to be an IMAX, Jeff. Oh, yeah, that was hilarious. I'm like, what? Don't. No, don't do that. You know, I'm just, I don't know. I Here's the thing. I'm trying to think the only movie that I think I've ever seen in IMAX was Watchmen. And I don't know if that's why <laughs> I regret it so much, what, but.
1: Like, why did you even go and see it?
0: See what? See Watchmen? Never mind
1: Watchmen. And never mind. It's going, why did you go see it in IMAX?
0: Well, Okay. Uh why did I go see Watchmen? I suppose the two part answer is A, uh my wife has read Watchmen and therefore was interested in seeing what would happen to it. Uh B, um I was kind of curious to see like yet I I actually have a set of Zack Snyder movies that I like. And uh and I think Watchmen was kind of the turning point. Into the era of Zack Snyder movies that I really don't like. But at the time, I was like, yeah, see it and see it in the big screen. And part of me is like, kind of like this. I was like, it will be. Not great, but maybe it will be good. And there were a lot of mistakes i made, clearly, in the sense of them making it and me going and seeing it. But I have to say that seeing it in IMAX from where we were sitting was a huge mistake because literally things would happen. And by the time that my tired eyeballs could move from one side of the screen to the other, it was over. Like, I'm literally too slow to watch a movie in IMAX, apparently, because I just can't. I'm I'm like the Flash villain, the Turtle, essentially, if you put me in an IMAX movie. I just, I can't, I mean, somehow that would mean that somehow I'm going to profit from sitting there in the movie theater somehow. But, you know, as pulling off the perfect crime. But, uh, yeah, no, the perfect crime was really the people making Watchmen, I suppose, and me <laughs> going and seeing it.
1: All I'm saying is clearly you can repeat this experience by going to see the season premiere of Inhumans.
0: See, and again, Uh, this is this weird thing is like things things don't always scale up. Like I really can't imagine that there isn't there's any special effects that are going to look good on an IMAX screen that they had created, you know, with the idea for television. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, in 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 all.
1: With all respect to all television shows, I can't think of one television show
0: that I have thought, "I wish I could see this on an IMAX screen." Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, again, it's that thing. I, 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 I'm trying to think. I didn't. I think the one movie that you should make that exception for is Buck Rogers in the 25th Century. The um, (laughs) I saw that in the movies. Did you? I I have. that was a release in the theaters in the UK. Yeah, and it was released <laughs> like in the theaters. The TV show came yes, out. exactly. I went inside in the movie theaters here in the US and let me tell you, those, uh, that opening, uh, title sequence did things to young Jeff's hormones that he was not expecting. And that was, uh, arguably I will, I would take that sequence over much of the rest of the movie that goes on to follow it, essentially. I honestly don't remember. Oh my god, we have to <laughs> anything, find it on YouTube. You're talking about it is god. literally a Playboy Playmate in a spandex jacket that is zipped down to her navel and a pair of hot pants, no, short shorts, rolling around on a giant Buck Rogers logo. It's, no, no. You don't remember that, Graham? Maybe <laughs> not, the UK not, version's not, a little not, bit different, but. Wow. I, I
1: really
0: hope that's true.
1: I hope, Jeff, you do find this in YouTube and you stick it in the show notes because that's fucking amazing.
0: It, 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 it is a stunner. It is a stunner, even okay. More, I
1: actually, that's six. not true. I actually hope even more that it's not true and you imagine the
2: whole thing. <laughs>
0: I uh, I there's part of me that even though it doesn't bode well for my future, I too sort of hope that that's the case as well. I'm I'm it's like, be like that, that Sinbad film that everyone wrote about the last the last year. <laughs> the one that everyone thought happened didn't happen. This is your version. Wait, You're which like v- no. Which version was that? As in
1: like the, the Sinbad the thing that everyone un- there's an entire subreddit about everyone remembering the Sinbad movie from the '90s where he played a genie. That never existed. Wow. But it's like a shared, do you not know this? It rings a it's bell. Like, it it's rings like a bell. shared, it's like a shared illusion. Right. That completely disconnected people have had. They all swear that not only does this movie exist, but that they've seen it. And it never existed.
0: And it's that, did you ever read, uh, is it Crystal Cove? That amazing little, um piece of online fiction that Chris Straub, uh, who the cartoonist behind, what's his name? Ch- is it Chainsaw Suit? What what the hell is his damn strip called? Uh, Chris Strobe. Yeah. Amazingly enough, Candle Cove. That's it. Candle Cove comes up as the second thing. Chainsaw Suit is his, is his um, comic, which is actually very enjoyable. But Crystal Cove is a similar thing about a bunch of people on an on a online thread remembering things about a um an old children's TV show and of course it's great if you stumble across it in um without knowing what's going on but even if you do it's it's such a good piece of fiction that um uh i i my understanding is is that max landis agreed that it, he should do his best to destroy it on television but i don't i don't remember <laughs>
1: Oh, Max Landis! <laughs> I told I told you about doing the interview with Max Landis, didn't I? No,
0: you did not. You interviewed Max oh, Landis.
1: I I I, I Max Landis for his uh, his image comic, which came out like in October. Mm-hmm. Um, still coming it was out pretty good. Oh yeah, yeah mm-hmm. Green, Green Valley. I actually kind of liked it. Um, and and I definitely told you this last week. I talked to Rob Liefeld last week, yes. and both of them are really similar in that I'm not a fan of their work, and you end up weirdly charmed by them when you talk to them in person. Hmm. like Mm -hmm. really genuine not, I mean with Max Landis he is is everything you think he is but there's something charming is not the right word but there's weirdly enjoyable his narcissism
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, whereas like Rob Liefeld you totally end up coming away going oh god I hope everything you do is a success, you believe in it so much, (laughs) You, you have such like a weirdly pure love for what you're doing I want you to make a million dollars. I really did. I can't wait to be like God speeds Rob Liefeld. <laughs> I, I'm not joking. I really was like, you know, I, I, I you know, I, I, you're going to relaunch Young Blood at some point and I'm not going to read it, but you know, go. I hope everyone buys Young Blood for you because <laughs> you were so fucking excited about this. Completely. That's yeah. amazing. Two, two, two interviews I've done that I was like, not that I wasn't looking forward to it, mm-hmm. but I was like, oh, God, this is like pulling teeth. And in the end, it's like, nope, I'm going to write this one right into the ground. <laughs> I'm going to wait for someone to tell me to get off the fucking phone. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, that's uh, that's fabulous. I, uh, I'm i very happy how, for you how, and how, for Max Landis, I guess. Happy
1: I had to get out of the subject. Uh, oh, yeah. Talk to Buck Rogers. Oh, Inhumans.
0: <laughs> yes. the Inhumans, right. Yeah. Raya. Inhumans and then that Sinbad movie that was made up. Oh, Buck Rogers opening sequence. There's so much good stuff that we discussed, Graham. We can barely control it at all. Uh, but, yeah, I think I think we can all feel comfortable. How the hell did the Inhumans end up? outside of the Fantastic Four contract by the way can you tell me that Did they uh, specifically
1: no, like, probably in the same way that the Black Panther is um, and what I think happens is that they've made more appearances outside of that particular thing than they have inside that particular thing mm-hmm. and so they're not furthered in
2: hmm.
1: I'm, I'm totally guessing because I have no idea how it could happen otherwise because if it goes by the what everyone thought it was, i.e., they first appeared in that comic, therefore they belong to that franchise, right. then there's so fucking much that wouldn't
0: that that wouldn't be no uh, exactly touchable Marvel. from Marvel. Yeah, no, I I I agree. I just I, it is I, weird because
1: I I, um, yeah. well, I I know that the
0: uh,
1: Black Panther is technically grandfathered in because he's considered an Avengers character. Mm-hmm. Uh But you look at something like Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, yeah. who are shared by both Fox and Marvel, mm-hmm. because they somehow belong to both, right. which seems nuts to me. Mm-hmm. But for all we know, maybe Black Panther could also be a Fox movie. Like,
0: maybe it's the same thing. Maybe. If so, I think they would be somewhat be... You think they would have it? said, like... Yeah. Yeah. Totally!
1: We've got Black Panther too! <laughs> Black Panther's gonna show up in Fantastic Four 2.
0: <laughs> yeah, I just, uh, anyway, part of me is like, God, out of all the horrible things happening, why couldn't Fox have ended up with Inhumans? Cause then that would really just stop all <laughs> this. Inhumans stuff. Imagine foxes in humans. (laughs) Oh, it'd be terrible, but see, this is, this is the thing. It would be terrible in a way that you could, um, easily ignore it, I suppose. (laughs) Or rather, more to the point, like, you can, when Fox is doing the Inhumans, Marvel's not going to be like, okay, we're going to crank out six Inhumans series to jam down your throat. Whereas. So you're you're not looking for it in your Inhumans comics? I, I, I'm, I, well, I'm really not, although I have to say, like, uh, Al Ewing's writing one, right? Isn't yeah,
1: Al Ewing, Al, uh, Al Ewing, as I just said, Al Ewing is doing Royals, which is the, like, old school in humans characters in space. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I, I'd buy that. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm actually, actively not a fan of the artist, but mm-hmm. it's a Marvel book. He's not going to be on the book for that. Long. <laughs> Really? Do you know what I mean? Like, Marvel does like to, for all DC Rebirth thing, which is like, you've got an artist, he'll be replacing two issues, he'll probably be coming back. As opposed to Marvel, he'll be on the book for six issues, then you'll never see him
0: again. Sure. Yeah. No, it's true, but, but on the other hand, I'm not reading a lot of DC Rebirth titles. I've just got a few that i'm subscribed to and jesus fucking christ the art teams are not exactly what i would call consistent over there i mean oh it's uh, no it's it's if it's weirdly like
1: long-term more consistent short-term just what the fuck <laughs> it's literally like artist a is going to do parts one and four then artist b is going to do part two yeah artist c is going to do parts three and six and then artist d is going to do part five yeah like really how yeah. can get that apart from something like Superman
0: where, where it is a relatively consistent team. Yeah. Hey, uh, Graham, I, here's another thing that actually sort of mystified me. I, I picked up Superman 14, the first part of that multiplicity uh, thingy where it's like, Hey, it's Superman. And he's meeting the characters from Graham Morrison's multiversity. Uh, uh, please tell me that you kind of had the rogue one experience where you're like, um, I don't like this at all. Uh, did oh, you? no, I, I did like it. Sorry. Oh, man. What? Yeah, so, so, so Superman is doing it for me, it has to be said. Well, sure, I can sort of see Superman, but part of me was like, I just kind of thought it was a bad issue. Like, I was willing to cut it some slack, but, I mean, it's, I don't know. It's just, there. there's a whole sequence where they're basically, like, punching these unstoppable villain guys, and then they just are like, oh, I know, we'll use our heat oh, vision, he, and then... He, here's...
1: This is going to sound like the weirdest thing, Mm -hmm. but part of what I, part of what I've gotten used to, I was going to say part of what I like, which is not true. Part of what I've gotten used to about this new Superman run is Mm -hmm. if it's a two part story, part one is going to be bad and part two is going to be great. Okay. That, that, that is like a weird thing they have gotten going. The first, the first storyline is I think six issues for the series and it is literally, Bad issue, good issue, bad issue, good issue, bad issue, good issue. It's the it's the most inconsistent comic, but consistently inconsistent. Okay. Like their setups are almost always like at, at best awkward, mm-hmm. and at worst, like there'll be a scene there. Just be people
0: shouting and punching. Yeah, that, and that's what I got a lot of uh, the
1: Like, part two, you're like, oh, it's, it's the story. Right. All oh, the story's showing up. Mm. Um, like the issues, so if that's issue 14, issue 12 and 13, I guess, were a two part Frankenstein story.
0: Yeah, which I, which Matt Turrell again went on to say some really good things about, and I would love to pick up since it's Doug Monkey drawing Frankenstein, so.
1: Yeah, I, I, but again, like, issue one is pretty much shouting and, and, and punching.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like, like issue two
1: is the story. Wow. And that's, that's just what they do. The, they, they will have, I, and I don't, I don't quite know why this is. I have the strangest feeling that it's because they're trying to give a a vaguely done in one experience in both issues. Mm -hmm. Because every time they do a two parter, they feel like different stories. Hmm. And it feels like the plot of the two parter is always in the second story. Hmm. And part one is always a
0: relatively complete experience, but a mindless one. Huh. Okay. Cause I, I really was looking forward to, um, enjoying the comic and I was like, this is kind of bad and, and just bad in that weird. Um, like you said, there's a lot of yelling and punching and, and no real sense of who anyone is and, and really, Oh no. uh, Yeah. Just, just, Super, it's it's a weird thing for me to particularly complain about because maybe I just am sort of slowly uh, edging myself out the door when it comes to comics. But I picked that up and I was like, none of this has any weight unless you've read the other story, the 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 stories that the other characters have been in, and even then, it's barely got any weight to it. You know,
1: I, I'm actually no, I'm going to disagree with you on that.
0: Uh-huh. Uh, if you've been
1: reading the series, I think. There's significant weight there. Uh, but I think as a, if if that was the first issue of the series you'd read and you hadn't read Multiversity, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: then you're right. It doesn't bring anything. But I think, I think if you've been reading Superman and you hadn't been reading Multiversity, you would get stuff out of it. Different stuff, don't get me wrong. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. But I think there's enough there. There is enough, uh, advancement in the, Superman is out of tune with the, his surroundings. Plot, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which the recent annual was about, which they've actually been playing up since like issue one of the series,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, to, to varying degrees, uh, and so there's there's some level of not payoff to that, but definitely advancement in the. This, this is this is weird enough that it's bringing other characters from the multiverse here who know that he's Superman, but also the 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 villains recognize Keenan Kong as Superman.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They don't recognize Clark as Superman mm-hmm. because he is this, he is this other. Yes. So there's an advancement on the Uber plot as well. Well,
0: it's interesting because A, uh, a there was enough shout outs that I followed that. It didn't really feel like advancement as much as a, a statement or restatement, but I guess I'll take your word for it. But I also was surprised about how much uh, oh, no. I mean, part of me is like, well, I guess I'll have to pick up other issues. But as, mu- as much as I admire the idea that um, Tomasi and Gleason and, and whoever they're working with, you know, on the art is um, is moving forward, that, that they want to keep things like, oh, here's like, like you said, it's the fact that these are two part stories rather than like, I don't know, four or six part stories is pretty laudable. Um, but at the same time, uh, like, I just feel like for a character that is in theory, this, this, the setup that you have essentially an orphaned Superman in the rebirth universe, uh, which is kind of potentially a very interesting spin on the Superman, myth origin, I guess. Sure. You know what it, I mean? it,
1: yeah. It's instead of last son of Krypton,
0: he's last son of the universe. Yeah. So him as the last son of the universe, at least in this issue, I I it just was it was it was just weirdly um uh I don't know what what's the word uh, uh, resonance free. It it just really was. It's it's about the same as saying like oh, and he's left handed. You know, it was like wow. Well, we totally don't have yeah, a pen for you because you're left handed, yeah. Superman. And I, I yeah, and
1: I don't like I I get a very different
0: reaction sure. to it, right? Because you've been the case. other issues, yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, but it I mean. So, yeah, so the multi... Uh, what is it called? Is it called
0: Multiversity? It's, it's called, called Multiplicity Multiplicity, Multiplicity.
1: Yeah. Um And that's like a three-part story. And then they go straight into the, and here's what's the deal with Superman thing. Because DC's moving into the, we've had rebirth for less than a year. Let's answer some of the questions. Because
2: mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm. they're doing the Batman Flash crossover as well.
0: Did you see that? Yeah, I saw that. Now, just out of curiosity, do you think that they are doing that... Because A it's time or in other words, that it's organically timed, or is it sort of a in case in case of falling sales break glass? You know, like, oh, we've got this I, next no, point I, set up. I, I think
1: it's I think it's neither.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh
1: because I don't think it is necessarily organically, but I oh, that's not true. I think Superman books is probably going to be relatively organic. I think by that point it will be time. I mean it's going to be twenty four issues in the series. Uh it'll be time to answer some of those questions. But in terms of like Batman, Flash, no, because I mean that's not been mentioned since like issue like the Rebirth issue of Flash, and hasn't been mentioned at all in the Batman series yet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's not organic in that sense at all. Mm-hmm. But I also don't think it's uh, we're worried about sales falling as much as a uh, we have a publishing plan that ne- requires us to set this up
0: mm-hmm.
1: in order to hit the Jeff Jones series at the end of the year. And is, is that the time frame for that? Is, is John's coming back? I, I have, I have no idea. I'm literally just like spitballing. Right. Okay. When, when rebirth launched, uh, it was rebirth itself was called a two year program. Mm
2: -hmm. Uh,
1: which for me sounded like the rebirth one shot is the opening of it Mm -hmm. and the, what is going on with Watchmen is the end of it right and if that was if that was the case, the Jeff Johnson thing would be like the middle of twenty eighteen
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh there have been various rumors mostly from Rich a bleeding cool suggesting it's this year mm-hmm. uh so we'll see mhm mhm like like your guess is as good as mine uh but but I think. I think it's, I, uh, it's neither organic nor concern about sales falling as much as we, we know exactly what we're doing and when we're doing it. And these pieces have to fall
0: here. Sorry. I guess I, I suppose that's what I meant that it was really the world's worst usage of the, of the word organic. I should just say, I guess what I meant was built in, you know? Yeah. It's what clear I think, I think it's that from in. that issue that, they, yeah.
1: that because got they're, they're doing, well, they're, they're, they're moving all the, Pieces forward at the same time right. so you've got the superman reveal right. which i'm like 90 percent positive is it, uh, uh, you're not from an alternate universe you're actually this universe's superman the new 52 superman was uh basically made from clay he he is fake because you weren't around hmm. and so we invented this fake one um they're doing the Batman Flash Watchmen story, and at the same time, although it's not been, like, announced in the same way,
2: mm-hmm.
1: they're doing the Legion story mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. in
0: Supergirl, which they bizarrely gave away in the Justice League Suicide Squad. Yeah, uh, I saw that Suicide Squad issue where all of a sudden, uh, what's-her-name's there, and I'm like, wait a minute, why do the, we have a the, Legion the, villain in there?
1: The Empress Empress, and then she yeah. disappears midway through the fourth issue, and it actually says, follow her into Supergirl. Oh, interesting! And I was like, "Okay, I guess that's where the Legion story is happening." <laughs> um, yes, but they're all happening at the same time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They're all happening uh, March, April. Hmm. Um. So, I guess that they're just like. Well, the the other thing is there was the rumor that DC is basically going to have "quote unquote" mini events every quarter of this year, right? Makes sense. So you have the, at the start of the year, you have Justice League Suicide Squad.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Then in, the, in April, you have these like one month tiny events of we're moving the big story forward.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Then this summer, we know we've got the Scott Snyder Greg Capullo story.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So then all you need is like two more at the end. Like you need one more in October
2: mm-hmm. and
1: then you've got Jeff Johnson in December. Hmm. You know,
0: like that, that math works out. Well, we will see for the most part i i don't know i I'm like, yeah, it's great that it's not really bothering me i honestly i have i'm i'm doing if i'm doing comics wrong generally, and i'm really I, doing I,
1: it's not bothering you it might you're probably doing comics right Jen.
0: oh well, I, uh yes, but i mean on the one hand, I totally agree with you uh except that I really do have these weird situations where, uh, I, I think one of the things that, I don't know, didn't end up in, in the Baxter building, uh, was us talking about Marvel's change to its digital program, the digital pack-in in the comics. Yeah.
1: Right? Yeah. That's all. Okay. So we touched on this earlier. Marvel has made some interesting, you know, euphemism for disastrous decisions. Right. Yeah. In the last like two weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, the change to change the the digital program in which they get rid of the free digital copy of the comic you've bought and instead give you a code for back issues yeah uh, and also that code is shared across every other book that released that week yeah it's to me like a really bad idea it it is it's ter- terrible uh, the quote unquote free overship yeah. uh, of 10% of all January's books yeah it's it's a really bad idea especially after finding out that no Sure, Marvel's not paying any shipping on that at all.
0: No, of course the not. Retailer,
1: the retailer yeah. bears all, all the cost of
0: that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um again,
1: just seems like a terrible idea. Um yeah, it just, it, it, what was the other one? There was, cause there was three the week before that.
0: What, was it, was the other the, one Secret Empire? There was, there was another one on top of that that I just can't think of, cause I really feel like, uh, the, the, maybe, maybe it was Secret Empire. Maybe it was the unveiling of the Secret Empire Slash logo. Oh, you no,
1: know, you know what it was? It was the, um, Nick Spencer Sam Wilson issue where they were fighting, uh, they were fighting the, right. uh, and, uh, the, like the Tumblr, yeah, jo- apartheid. Yes. Where, where, where the characters were saying like, trigger warning and I can't even. Yes. And Nick Spencer had his meltdown on Twitter about it. Did, did he have a meltdown? I definitely. He just, he just, he, t- he Nick Spencer has shown little ability to take criticism well on social media. And this is not unusual for any creative type. Yes. Uh, But when you then go on to take pot shots at them in your comic and then people complain, Mm -hmm. basically going, ha ha, you can't take a joke, is not a good look.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. No, absolutely. Uh, Let he who is without thin skin cast the first... uh... I can't even, but, uh, but I mean, honestly that, well, whatever. Okay. So that was the other deal. There's, uh, so for myself, what I was going to say, the interesting setup is, is that Marvel has put me in the very uncomfortable position of basically a choice. Um, it seems to me it would be in my best interest to either take the, the few Marvel comics that I'm buying in the store and, Essentially switch over to just buying them straight, you know, subscribing to the series on Comixology and oh, well, too bad for my discount or and or wait for Marvel Unlimited, you know, six months down the line to to read those issues rather than, you know, enjoy them so much that I want to read them when they come out. Uh, uh, Or just, you know, just go to the fucking shop, forget about the codes, read stuff get back into the habit of reading hard copies. Weirdly enough, this is a problem that I'm actually having with DC as well. And I don't think that this is intended by DC, but sort of the same way that you and I were talking about how intentionally or not Marvel is trying. I feel that they're, they feel they win either way, either they get to push the people who've, um, who've been hanging on the fence, you know, the people, not so much the people who buy the hard copy for the digital copy, but the people who've been buying the digital copies online off of people who've been buying the, you know, hard copy yeah, and yeah. underwriting that by selling their codes. I think they're, Marvel's like, well, we either get those people into the shop and we look like the the heroes that... You know, we always maintain that we are slash we can give ourselves some sort of desperate goosing in the direct market that we really, really badly need. Or we push those people over into digital where, you know, we get to
1: where it doesn't matter because we get the money anyway.
0: Yeah, we get get all of the money and have to, well, a much larger chunk of the money than, than we get via the physical hard copies. Weirdly enough, I find myself being in this situation where I went to the comic book store and I I literally walked out with a ton of floppies, most of which were issues of Batman that I still haven't read. And I'm kind of like it I a really have to catch up or b if if I kind of stop buying Batman comics, it's ridiculous. Just genuinely ridiculous how much of um basically how consistent of a Batman buying idiot I've been, you know. This is the only book that I was bought all the way through um the new fifty two, really. I yeah, I I, I I and you liked it. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, the Tom King stuff, it's not so much that I don't like King's material but it is very much like if I was subscribing to this digitally I wouldn't have to worry about getting into the shop every two weeks because or every, as it is it was I don't know six weeks eight weeks I'm like sitting on what feels like half a dozen Batman issues here and uh, I know my I know me if I get this far behind it's really hard for me to keep motivated to to power on through and catch up you know mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it is weird to me that i even though as i'm tisking at marvel and i don't think that this was intended by dc at all i definitely feel that the that the twice monthly publication schedule for a lot of their titles has me somewhere between being stuck on board Um, or being kind of like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta bail. Like, it hasn't been a problem for me for keeping up with stuff that I'm actually subscribed to. Like, it's weird that Deathstroke, which is about the farthest thing from a favorite character that I have, I'm currently, actually, I take it back, I'm probably an issue behind on I don't think I read issue nine or whatever it is, but, um... I'm much more well-read on that than I am on Batman. That just seems like that seems like a sure sign that I'm doing things wrong, you know. Uh, but it helps I, for that for me, it sounds like a, it feels like a sure sign that you're just not enjoying the Batman comic. I it's I don't think it's necessarily that. It's just well, I mean, I don't think that that first arc was was overall worth it. It had some okay moments in it that I liked, but generally, I was was pretty mad on it but i'm like yeah i'll get get into it i think it's just there's a lot to be said for every two weeks creates a real momentum for you if you're in the position to be picking up the book every two weeks when it's i just turn on my ipad on wednesday morning and i download whatever comics i've subscribed well to, yeah it, it's it's a different thing when it's essentially
1: effortless to keep up exactly when have to make an effort to keep up. Yeah. It can seem overwhelming, and the more overwhelming it seems, the more the temptation is to be like, "Fuck it." Yeah, like I'll get the collection, or I won't.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Like it. Like as soon as it becomes stressful to read a comic, right? That I, I think you do. Like I think anyone does have this feeling of like, do I really need to? And let's be honest, no one really needs to be reading a comic, right? Yeah, you know. Right. Um, what's interesting is, and I didn't realize this until this week with the announcement of the new uh, Guardians of the Galaxy series,
2: mm-hmm.
0: that's
1: twice monthly. And the new X-Men books are also twice monthly.
0: Yes. Right.
1: So Marvel is also formalizing the twice monthly. Because before Marvel would be like, we're going to publish more than 12 issues a year, but we're not going to tell you when. And now they're, <laughs> right. they're formally going, no, it's twice monthly. Mm-hmm. These books are twice monthly. Yeah. Which is it? I mean, again, it strikes me that they're looking at, at DC and being like, "Sure, rebirth worked. Okay, twice monthly books. That—that's the key."
0: Well, yeah. I mean, they've—it's more to the point, as you pointed out, Marvel was doing weird takes on that before with oh, stuff it has like has
1: Spider-Man, the, but also has been since the James era. Yeah. See, sure, so for, for a, a long time, film, time yeah. Yeah, yeah, also when Spider-Man was putting out like 15 issues a year.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. He
1: was just like, the extra issue comes sometimes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you'd get, you'd get extra issues there and you get all those, uh, when they were double, sh- basically double shipping, uh, Morrison's X-Men. Cause he was like, yeah. hey, I turned in two years worth of scripts. So they're like, hey, we're going to publish them all in a year. He's like, fuck you. That totally fucks up my contract. They're like, screw you too. So I, I so I, what's I interesting to me is What's that? I'm rereading Morrison's X-Men this week. Oh, were you? Oh, well, we'll come back yeah. to that in a second. Okay. Because I'd I, love yeah. to hear it. But I, I just wanted to say, it seems to me that it's not so much that Marvel is, is... I think it's Marvel's weird way of like, oh, uh, the retailers, you're our buds. Yeah. Hey, remember when we were like, you know, selling product to you that you couldn't really like... Sell to people, your customers, but you still kept buying it because you're such Marvel fans. Like, remember that? Remember those good old days? Remember those days? Exactly. The retailers, like, I'm sorry, I'm busy trying to figure out how to boil my shoe so I can eat it. I don't, I don't really have time for this conversation right now. I, I wonder the extent to which that's really Marvel because they've had that schedule, but they've been kind of like. Uh, you know, we're Marvel. You can wait for us. And now it's a little more like, by which we mean, no, it's, it's gonna be, yeah, no, we're, we're doing it, uh, we're doing it twice. We're doing it fortnightly, basically. Yeah. Twice a month. Yeah. yeah. You, you guys like that, right? Rebirth. Yeah, you guys over, like right? that? Yeah, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna do that. So, cause we love you, baby. Anyway, uh, what were you saying about Morrison's X-Men? You were reading that? Yeah, I, 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 Again, they were in the library,
1: and I was like, "Ooh, <laughs> what's <laughs> that you say, X Men, sure." Yeah. Um, it's funny. I reread that this week, and I also reread, uh, yeah. Gaiman's The Books of Magic.
2: Mm.
1: Um, I don't why quite why, apart from again, they were in the library, and I was like, "Ooh." Uh, first of all, Books of Magic really does not hold up.
0: That's the uh, Are I, you talking I, about the four issue miniseries written by yeah, game That's
1: kind of like, okay, hey. Yes. Yeah, this is this is your your guide to right. to the magical DC universe. Yeah, um, and it had great art. It's uh, shit. It's John Bolton
2: mm-hmm.
1: and Scott Hampton, uh, different painted Charles artists. Each issue, right? Yeah, Isn't different painted right? each issue, mm-hmm. Yeah, and Paul Johnson. Is that his name? I'm I'm going to say his name is Paul Johnson. I actually can't remember the last. I'm going there.
0: to argue your point. I think it's Paul Smith. No, not that Paul Smith. I mean, Paul Aronson. It's Paul Aronson, not Paul Johnson.
1: No, it's Paul Johnson. I'm looking at the cover right now. No,
0: I think you're mistaken, Graham. It's Paul Aronson. But nice try. (laughs)
1: Literally, we're like, Who's Paul Aronson? I
0: don't know. I made the name up because you were just like, let's call him Paul Johnson. And I'm like,
1: (laughs) you know, it would be funny to argue
0: with that. Yeah, I know. I mean, I take your word Uh, for it. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. uh, Yeah, that book really doesn't hold up, which is a shame. I remember
1: really loving that book back in the day, and because I, I got that and I got um, the Children's Crusade or whatever it's called now. They, oh, they remember the they did big a crossover? Edition. Yeah. Did they? Do, yeah, oh, right. They, they did do. a, did, it, did did it, a collected did. edition with a brand new middle. They wow. only included the first part and the last part and a whole new middle chapter. Because hmm. they were like the, they base and there's an introduction by Gaiman where he basically is like, yeah, the crossover was a disaster. <laughs> He's like, no one, no one at Vertigo really decided to make the crossover work. Mm-hmm. So the story was faster. So here's a new collection where we've just put in a whole new middle chapter. Um, and those two, like the one two punch of that made me go, oh, Neil Gaiman was always Twee. I just obviously had, had, had much more of a, an appetite for Twee back then. Cause I, I, in my brain, I'd always been like, oh no, Neil Gaiman has gotten worse. Like <laughs> over the years. You know, Neil Gaiman used to really have it, and then he's gotten worse. Wow. Yeah. I know. That's not true. Neil Gaiman was always that tweet, they just had more of an appetite for it. Wow. Like, especially especially Children's Crusade. Holy crap, there's parts that where you're just like, you literally were, like, thinking to yourself, I am a writer. I am a writer of things, as you were fucking typing this page you <laughs> Neil Gaiman. Um, so, yeah, that. But I, so I, got, that, so I got the the Morrison uh, X-Men run and again it's not aged well but i think this time it's me that's not aged well <laughs> cuz i'm like i i uh
0: spraining an arm turning a page or something Graham, or
1: yeah it it's uh it feels much more mark millie than our, mark millery than i remember mm-hmm. yeah much more like really being amazingly self conscious and posturing.
0: Self conscious and posturing, and and again, a little bit of the. I don't know how to describe it. Mor- Morrison's, Morrison's X Men run is very interesting to me because it is very. To me, it's very cynical. Um, and I don't know if it's it. I don't think it means to necessarily start out that way. I'm very much of two minds. Like Morrison is is like, oh no, I had the whole thing planned, you know, start to finish, soup to nuts. Um, all those all those things that you saw, that was all coming. I'm like, I don't really, I still don't necessarily buy that. I, I, and it's that weird thing. I just, yeah.
1: I think having reread it the Zorn reveal he definitely had in his mind Mm -hmm. the whole time. Right. I think he had his opening whatever it's three three issues basically the like the the setup. Mm -hmm. I think that he had that in his mind. Mm -hmm. I think he had the Zorn stuff. Yeah. And I think like the whole bit between is him like scrambling.
0: Well I I think a lot of the stuff that he had
1: there's the riot arc as mm-hmm. well, the Frank, the other Frank Quietly arc, uh, yeah. feels thematically consistent and far stronger than everything around it. Yeah, I, I but, think like, there's higher issues strong. of him just yeah. being like, na 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 na! Yeah.
0: The aristocrats! <laughs> 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 well, Where, and I do think, you know, just, I, I think the, the the, 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 the re- absurdly super compressed, uh, alternate future ending is, uh, has so much packed into it at the end where I really do. Part of me is like, I can't even Morrison doesn't pace as badly as this intentionally, you know, but cause there's a ton of shit that's in there. The whole idea of the, the real identity of John sublime is pretty oh, it's interesting. It's thrown away. Yeah. It's, it's thrown away the whole, um, uh, is it, is it Quentin Choir ending up in the white room and being the yeah, new incarnation yeah. oh, of the there's, there's
1: so, there's so much in there.
0: Yeah. That's
1: like, it's, it's, I I think I've told you this before, that Morrison, uh, in his DC superhero work, almost always like leaves them better than he gets them. Mm-hmm. But it, that stuff is almost always ignored by everyone who followed. Mm-hmm. Like, he keeps on, like, uh, when he's at JLA, he's like, okay, Zoriel is the new Hawkman. Like, he all but says that. At one right. point, Gardner's like, is that Hawkman? He's like, no, I'm Zoriel. And, you know, Zoriel's never fucking seen it again after yep. that.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, like, you know, he keeps on coming up with these concepts. I mean, like, the Ultramarines, mm-hmm. you know, the Ultramarines are now, you know, the Justice League International, but they're more proactive. This is uh, ahead of the authorities happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's like, and, you know, and if they're living in, a floating city above a nuclear, uh, explosion site. Mm-hmm. Never touched upon again. Yes. Like he keeps on coming up with these things. And the Here Comes the Mark of New X-Men, is that, but somehow more so? Mm-hmm. Like, there's, there's grace notes for characters that are then ignored
0: immediately afterwards. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, uh... Uh, there's so much that's there. I'm fascinated by the way in which if Morrison sat down and said, like, yes, I decided at one point that I was so pissed off at, with Marvel that um, I more or less cast one of my you know, um, most cynical spells upon the X-Men. I think I would – that is actually a, a story for Morrison that I would be willing to buy because cause I'm fascinated the degree to which – Morrison does all this X-Men stuff. He all but throws away a huge number of his ideas and planned resolutions, like literally just tosses them over his shoulder as he heads out the door uh, with Here Comes Tomorrow with sylvester stuff. And then watching Marvel's insane reaction as how to handle Morrison's stuff, which is several years of trying to pretend like, like – literally doing their best to wipe as much of it out of continuity as possible and then turning around and trying – realizing that they should do the opposite and then trying to drag it back into continuity, it's kind of a – it's kind of a head spinner, you know? Um, Well, I I think what happened was Marvel were really, really pissed at Morrison. Yeah, right. Well, because.
1: He's yeah. like, I'm I'm signing exclusive to DC, and I think Marvel are like, well, fuck you. Yeah. Everything you've given this franchise, we are going to get rid of. They're well, going back in superior costumes yes. as quickly as fucking possible.
2: Yeah.
1: Like you know, you, you, the new characters are introduced, we're going to write them out, or we're going to ignore them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, this state of school, the secondary muta- mutations. Nope, never mentioning that again. Yeah. The you know humanity is going to die out. Nope. Nope. Mutants are going to die out. Fucking House of M, okay? There you go.
0: Right. Yeah. No, I think think that Morrison had a... I mean, even by the end, and he's talking afterwards, he talks about his idea that the X-Men are essentially caught in this cycle. It's just this cynical cycle that you see in, uh, essentially, Magneto's return. And he comes, like everything comes back and everything more or less comes back in morrison's opinion um ultimately not for the better which is not the morrison usually tries harder to be more optimistic even in even in his some of his very cynical stuff and it's to me always interesting the degree to which he seems very soured on Marvel, and he seems very soured on the idea of change. Like I, not so much. I don't think that. I think he's much more comfortable with the idea of st- how stasis plays into into the DC universe. I think he walked into the Marvel Universe very much buying this idea that it's like, oh, and the great thing about Marvel stuff is you can change the status quo in Marvel stuff, and we're going to do it. And somewhere along the line, he's like, I take it back. You totally cannot change the status quo in Marvel stuff. And
1: Well, I, I think what happens,
0: he was told you can change the status quo as long as it's
1: the change we want.
0: Maybe. Maybe I, I I I think that it was it was more along the lines. It could be. I think it was more along the lines of he saw how someone more or less told him how much they were going to roll roll that stuff back as soon as he was gone. You know, and I think he was well, just like, "Well, fuck this." Then the 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 return of
1: Magneto was really interesting to me because it is for someone who claims that they were a really big fan of Claremont. Like it's 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 the most unclear moment, Magneto. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, but but it's great because it's literally him going. You can't keep doing the same thing, right? Like the the subtext of that entire Magneto story is you can't keep doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. You can't keep doing the same thing and wrapping it up mm-hmm. because it's it leads nowhere. Right, it 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 will lead nowhere, and it will make everyone seem ridiculous.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And and the end of his run is, you know, just rehashes. Gene mm-hmm. dies
0: again.
2: Yes.
1: You know, Magneto comes back, and he's, he's super badass this time.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And
1: the characters ultimately reject it. And then you get here comes tomorrow, which is the what if the X Men was totally different? Mm-hmm. What if you had these characters, but it, they had moved on? Right, You know, and then to go from that, you immediately get uh, the Whedon X-Men afterwards, mm-hmm. which is so Claremontian and mm-hmm. so old school when compared with what Morrison had done.
0: Yeah. Oh, very much so. Very much so. And I, I think there was a way in which a lot of people both kind of took it as as a relief. I mean, to be fair, I think Morrison was at at the at at my most generous because I spent a long time tr- trash talking um, morrison 's work during that period um morrison 's making a real transition during his x men work i feel uh, you know i i think even more so than the kind of um, He's he's just moving into that realm of like, yeah, I really want to try experimenting with sort of hyper-compressed storytelling. I'm really tired of, you know, hanging the kind of lanterns on subplots that writers of comics are used to hanging on them. I want to do things a little bit differently there. And then, you know, a variety of other thematic concerns. I don't know. I mean, honestly, like you, like I you mean, said, it's, it's... Here Comes Tomorrow, he's still more or less, as I recall, that... Like, what if things have changed? A, it doesn't seem like such a great world. uh, And B, it's more or less, um, as I recall, isn't the whole point of it is that more or less everyone got manipulated by John Sublime, who's mutant bacteria. Yeah, and, and, also, and also like who who had corrupted your your heroes? Yeah, exactly.
1: So you, have, you have you know the beast who's gone evil, and and yada yada yada. Um, it's also worth pointing out that you know for all the what if X Men had changed and here comes tomorrow, it, the story is uh, Days of Future Past.
0: Yes, exactly. No, it's very explicitly Days of Future Past, and uh, except I think what happens is is that that Morrison. Morrison has Quentin Quire as the new Phoenix come back and more or less wipe the slate clean again, right? So even then, you still get Morrison's kind of acknowledgement of, well, yeah, maybe if you go too far down this path, everything's crappy. But it doesn't really matter because essentially here here comes the big chalkboard eraser. Which, you know. Well, uh, the other thing is also,
1: uh, it's Days of Future Past through Morrison's, um, I want to say hippiness, which I think is un- unkind, mm-hmm. but Days of Future Past is uh, the death of this important senator will change history. Right. And Here Comes Tomorrow is whether or not Scott and Emma have a relationship will change history. And there seems something more, uh, uh, I don't know, less melodramatic, more kind. And going whether these two people stay together is, is as important as the death of a political figure.
0: Yes. Yeah. I mean, as I recall, the story more or less takes place at th- things are in that. Um, where Morrison tends to take his future s- stories, which is you're right on the precipice of everything ending and everything's gotten pretty bad getting there. And yeah, it does. In that case, it's tied to this couple's relationship. But I think of course, for myself, we're just staring into troubled waters because I've, I know that a lot of fans are 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 big fans of the Scott and Emma relationship and I that was one where I was like not really that crazy
1: about I I it. I like the Scott and Emma relationship. I like the Scott and Emma relationship. This is really weird. I like the Scott and Emma relationship a lot in Tron. Uh-huh. Um, cuz I think it serves a not only an emotional purpose but a plot purpose. And I think that the Scott and Emma relationship, really far down the line afterwards, is really interesting.
2: Mm-hmm. But I
1: think there's a lot of years where, like, Scott and Emma relationship is just goes nowhere and is dull.
0: Okay, so why? Because I'm someone who is not crazy about it in the get-go. I am, but I mean, that's the I, thing. I, I, I feel, yes. I feel mm-hmm. it serves as an illustration of a,
1: um, rejecting the the. The tropes of X Men.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like j- even just as an exploration of maybe Scott and Gene aren't the perfect couple,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and maybe that's not a bad thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think is really interesting, um, and I think it's a really interesting character exploration of Cyclops as well. Mm-hmm. That he he can't get his head around that because he he is he stands in for the fan at that point. Mm-hmm. The idea of not being with Jean is evil for him. He thinks it's bad, and right. he, as much says says so at the very
0: start. Of the, oh, the very month. much so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, I guess the contours of it, I can see. And I don't know. I I don't know. Like so much of of Morrison's X Men run, there's this. There's parts that I like, and then there's the parts that I really don't like. But I more or less understand why they're there. But I don't necessarily think they're done well, and that sort of leads me to sort of modern era Morrison, where where I can sort of appreciate the map more than you sure. know more than I appreciate the execution in a lot of cases.
1: It's really interesting for me that Morrison goes straight from uh, New X Men to Seven Soldiers,
0: mm-hmm.
1: because Seven Soldiers to me just seems infinitely better than New X Men. Yeah. In
0: retrospect. Yeah, I think so. Like, well, just more complete yes. in every single way. Yeah, because I, cause I think I think he l- – I want to say he learned a lot in uh, X-Men in the way that I feel that, you know, you can learn a lot from failure. You know, I think he walked out yeah, of that I, being I, like I, –
1: I think by the end of, of New X-Men, he didn't want to be doing the comic.
0: Yeah. I'm not – And I, I, think, th- I think it comes across.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, there there is an idea in which, but I also do think that he also, I don't know. I mean, because I'm trying to think if his, uh, I I feel that the X Men stuff he takes that idea of the cyclical nature of superhero uh, renewal. I think I don't know how strong. A thread it is before his new X Men work, but it it becomes a pretty major source of inspiration or stuff for him to draw on afterward. I think, you, you know. Yeah, and almost
1: immediately, like the the start of Seven Soldiers is very much so. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, like the first issue is yeah. the whip taking up the mantle of someone else,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and and herself dying.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, just this idea that the, that there is this, the seven soldiers who are um, necessary, but also cursed, you know, and the the way in which that cycle plays out. And it runs into some of the stuff that he's, that, that Morrison goes on to explore in Final Crisis and a number of other places uh, in, in arguably, I don't know if it's more interesting ways, but ways that don't frustrate me quite white as much and again in a way because i think that he is able to talk about like the because of everything that dc has done with this universe over the course of 50 or 60 or 70 years it's easier to talk about the cyclical nature of things you know about almost like the change of seasons. Like it the seasons change but they roll back around but they're still change. You well, know yeah. that yeah, kind and, of you know if nothing else, just the continual reboots that DC puts Exactly. Up exactly. Whereas I think that Marvel is a stranger area for that, um in a lot of different ways right now. But uh, you know, mm-hmm. it's just not gonna quite find purchase in the same way Uh, you know, in part because Marvel is Marvel just really can't play it, it can't deal with that explicitly, i suppose in in a way, and therefore it's just a weirder weirder thing um son of Satan Graham, I feel like uh, I really want to talk about Son of Satan. <laughs> Okay, let's talk
1: about Son of Satan for a while then.
0: Okay, so let me tell you, Son of Satan. uh, I read the wonderful, delightful uh, digital trade um, of Son of Satan Classic, which uh, is, gosh, let me see if I can sum up everything that's in it. It it is all of the Son of Satan stuff that I remember from my youth, minus a couple of uh, additional appearances and things like the Defenders. But, um, honestly, this book is really an attempt to, um, capture. There's so much much stuff in this comic. I just looked up what's in it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a ton. That's
1: it's insane. a ton. Yeah. Ghost because... Riders issue one and two, Marvel yep. Spotlight issues 12 to 24, yep. Marvel Team Up issue 32, Son of Satan one to eight, and Marvel 2 and 1 issue 14.
0: That's a lot of comics. It's a lot of comics. It is a 340 page trade, which is again, is this amazing thing. Like it, it even follows up reprinting. Um, some, is it the, just the design stuff or it, it reprints the preview article in Monsters Unleashed number four or whatever it is that talks about like, Hey, everybody get ready. Son of Satan's coming and he's going to be the big hit new sensation of Marvel's, you know, blah, blah, which he's not. Uh, you know, I, I really, it's amazing to read, uh, the Son of Satan trade because. Um, because, well, because the stories are not good by and large, they are pretty (laughs) terrible, but it's fascinating watching a character. Like you're kind of like, I had a lot of time to ruminate on why doesn't this character work? What are they doing wrong? And one of the things that's interesting is, is out of all that material, uh, the majority of it is the son of Satan issues are more or less Uh, The main character getting hooked into the same story over and over over again, which is more or less uh, the son of Satan ends up being um, uh, has all sorts of amazing occult visionary experiences of foreboding imagery. And it turns out that there's a villain or psychic influence behind it that is manipulating it in order to sort of more or less manipulate him. And that is literally done over and over and over and over again until the last issue of his title, uh, usually in three-part stories. So it's a little bit like reading the same three-part story over again, just with a strange uh, variety of artists. But the thing that I find really amazing is, is that Son of Satan is a character that I sort of inherently love, and in the course of reading the book, be like, oh, yeah, for no real reason whatsoever. And that's not entirely true, but it mostly is. The thing that is the most amazing about Son of Satan is uh, for people who aren't really aware of the character, it's it's worth noting that he comes out um, in the early 70s. Right after the release of The Exorcist, and Marvel, more to the point, has managed to completely revive their fortunes uh, with superheroes, and they are riding the crest of, of that wave. But both Roy Thomas and Stanley uh, are aware enough of comics history to know that uh, superheroes, that comic, everything in comics are, is cyclical five or six years pass and then people are no longer interested in it and they move on to the next genre. So it's been sort of like monster comics, Western comics, romance comics, comedy comics, superhero comics, Western comics, you know, et cetera, et cetera, with crime comics yeah, yeah. in there, you know? So they're like how this is going to happen. This is going to cr- crash last pass. How are we going to get around this? And the answer is we're going to create a horror line, horror line that is going to also have. One foot in the superhero world, so you can have superhero adventures, but they 're also supernatural adventures, and that way when superhero you know we can sell them as superheroes, and then when superheroes crash we 're going to be okay because we 'll have our dracula book we 'll have our werewolf book we 'll have our zombie book and uh, we need a few more ideas. What have you got oh here 's a skeleton who rides a motorcycle. And a character named uh, the son of Satan. Because Satanism is kind of, quote-unquote, in. Like, there's, there's exactly, kind of yeah. a big... The kids, the kids like Satan. The kids like Satan. Satan is a really um, amazing little British fad, like glam rock, that, uh, in true American fashion, we completely missed the irony of and uh, took completely at, you know, uh, face value. So... People in America running around, believing in Satan, watching movies like The Exorcist, uh, being horrified by the idea that there are evil satanic cults who are running around like slaughtering families in the, you know, out in the wilds of insane California. And out of this sort of rich thing, belief of, hey, Satan, he's got to be the best way that we can actually, like, that that comic will sell bajillions. And what I find fascinating again is, is that, if you think about it, Satan is continues to be a marketable influence long after Son of Satan like bites the dust. Like I'm really fascinated. That, that, does he? Yeah. Oh. In comics. But, not in comics. No. But but and this is what's important. Like I said, the the satanic influence that came across from all these other. Influences you know Dennis Wheatley novels and you know people running around reciting you know basically music is I think a huge influence the the stuff that that um, the Brits are running the Led Zeppelin's throwing around that 's creeping everybody out, man uh weirdly enough, Satanism continues to be very big in the realms of heavy metal, and this is what I find fascinating is is that the son of Satan. Is not a heavy metal character at all. In fact, one of the things that I think is hilarious is is that it, I have known of this character for three or four decades, and it was only in reading this now that I realized that the Son of Satan is basically just a reskinned submariner. Like he's he's got okay, pointy ears. Okay, that. Well, I okay. Roy Thomas, he loves himself some Submariner. And the Submariner that he loves is the guy who's got the stick up his butt, who holds the trident in one hand, and is very cross all the time. You know, he's a big fan of, He's it's not like happy-go-lucky Bill Everett Submariner. You know, the Submariner that he is into is the guy who basically runs around and yelling at everyone else. You know, I mean, it's kind of interesting the extent to which early Marvel, which I know in so many ways now, thanks to us doing the Baxter building, just the fact that superheroes acted like turds uh, was a delightful um, source of energy for its young readers when when Marvel Comics was really starting out. It was like, oh, man, the thing's a dick. How great is that? And the Hulk's a dick, too. Oh, and look at how everyone's like back talking each other. This is great. This isn't like the, you know, Elks Lodge of the Distinguished Competition. Exa- yeah, you know. Everyone doesn't get on. Exactly. I love this. I love this. And one of the people who it's really just like love me that. and my friends, we're all disagreeable. Exactly. But no one likes us. We don't like them. And again, this is kind of what I'm saying is is there's a way in which if you're trying to still hook teen readers Son of Satan is not necessarily a bad way to go if you have him act like, say, a son of Satan. But what you get is you get Damon Hellstrom, who was like raised, you know, to be a priest and then finds out that he's the son of Satan and swears, you know, basically swears to fight his father and has all these really cool kind of accoutrements. Uh, Like I said, Submariner, pointy ears, shirtless. Holds a trident, yells at people that 's basically son of Satan, except son of Satan occasionally to show that he 's a badass will uh lose control, his dark soul will come out, and he will slap a chick um, basically the the number of romantic interests that Son of Satan slaps in this series is uh is somewhat regrettable, but it's sort of to show that ooh, look out for him, he's a crazy badass in sort of that weird Submariner way. He spends a lot of time complaining that he's helping the people, that he's helping, which again, very submarinery. Uh He's just... His design, it's really interesting to me the way in which I'm like, this character could be interesting. Honestly, I am, to this day, I'm like, you could sell a Son of Satan TV series tomorrow. Because there's Lot, particularly now, for Christ's sakes! Maybe, which may be the reason why there is this for Satan's sake. For Satan's sake, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Graham, for correcting me. Uh, shows you how good, how on top of things I am as, a, as an amateur Satanist. It's just, uh, it's, it's really the book. There's nothing to go on with the character. They can't every time someone starts to like define the character they do the three or four issue story that involves him being exposed to occult visions that teach him something about his the, his inner nature and then just as he's supposed to put that to use the writer of the book leaves a new writer comes in and decides to redefine the character by exposing him to you know a series of visions that yagada yeah, yagada yagada it's All the same. I have to say the very last issue, issue eight, which is kind of a fill-in issue, is the best. It's written by Bill Mantlow. I think Bill Mantlow and his wife co-wrote it, and Russ Heath draws it, in which Satan... Russ Heath, wow! And he... he, To say that he draws it is a a serious understatement. Like, you have, throughout uh, the... The Son of Satan's run, you've got artists like Tom Sutton, Jim Mooney, Herb Trimpey, Sal Plasima, Gene Cohen, oh my gosh, Ed Hannigan. Do you get, like, whiplash?
1: You do. Tom Sutton, Sal does not sound like Jim Mooney.
0: Yeah. What? Well, Jim Mooney is unsurprising kind of – Jim Mooney's a dude who went from doing the Supergirl stuff, comes over to Marvel and is really, like – Throw me on the weird stuff. I don't. I really hate the fact that I've been stereotyped as kind of a goody two-shoe artist, and so you get him drawing issues of Man Thing for Steve Gerber. You get him drawing these issues of Son of Satan. He's he does all of Omega the Unknown or most of it, and it it leads to some interesting cognitive dissonance. The up until the last issue with Russ Heath, the best thing you kind of have going on is. There's a few issues where P. Craig Russell is doing the layouts and then Sonny Trinidad is doing the finishes over him. And it's pretty lush looking work. It's really um, lovely. But it's nothing compared to that final issue where Son of Satan goes to hell. And you'll love this because I think, Graham, you love the Christmas stories. Satan, Son of Satan is Gone to hell, but it's Christmas Eve, which is the one night of the year that the devil sleeps. And. Oh my god. Exactly. And while Satan that sleeps. Is, that is both absolutely appalling and beautiful. Isn't it? And so, which is really does describe th- this issue so well. So, uh, yeah, it is Bill Mantlo That's funny. Why did I think, oh, cause Karen Mantlo does the letters. Okay. So, uh, so Son of Satan gets drawn into hell and it's, it's the one night in hell in which basically um, hell gets a chance to let its hair down a little, but it's also in the course of plotting revolution and the extent to which the denizens of hell try to recruit Damon to lead their revolution. uh, You know, It's kind of a, okay, sure, that's not a bad place to take it. But the thing that's amazing is Russ Heath goes to fucking town. He's like, oh, okay, I get to draw hell. Hieronymus Bosch. I love Bosch. Okay, I'm drawing a bunch of uh, deformed grotesqueries and flayed faces and a horrible, like, Humpty Dumpty with half his brains hanging out. It's awesome. When I first read this issue as a kid, <laughs> it scared the living fuck out of me just because of the nature of grotesquery. Like, it really is the, you know, how like, um, Kirby really turns his eye to the grotesque in the course of, uh, Etrigan's The Demon, you know, like yeah, there's a, yeah. this is, this is sort of Russ Heath, Russ Heath doing the same, but of course, Heath has, is more of a, um, um more realistic illustrator, so the the grotesqueries are really awful it 's awesome it's it 's an amazing amazing issue Someone mentioned Starlin in it, which is uh i 'm not sure if Starlin gets involved with this issue or where starlin jumps in but um
1: star starlin is in starlin gets mentioned in this
0: issue uh he gets mentioned in the opening credits when I listed all the people i can 't tell okay. if it was. Um, Russ Heath with Jim Starlin or if it was supposed to be Russ Heath comma with Jim Starlin. You know, I don't really know. Anyway, um, it's it's a great fucked up issue and really shows a lot of potential for what a s what a, a serious son of Satan comic could be. Uh, but wow, it's it's a lot of really bad comics like the Marvel two in one issue where it's the th- Thing and Son of Satan versus uh, a haunted town with a ghost demon thing. That's like Herb Trimpey does the art, Bill Mantlo does the script. Both of them are drunk. Neither of them are paying attention to the other. It's uh, it's it is it's it is among the most dashed off issues of a Marvel team-up book ever done, which let's face it, as you know, Graham competition for that is fierce is (laughs) fierce. So, um, but I have to say, I've spent a lot of time reading these issues being like, huh, I don't, I, I, I find myself, uh, wondering how much of comics is about, misunderstanding what you're reading (laughs) or I should say for superhero comics because um, son of Satan has so much stuff where it's like he starts, he has two sort of romances in the course of this book. And as you point out, there's a lot of comics in there and yet neither of those relationships feel anything like reality. You know what I mean? And I remember as a kid, the way, and I've mentioned this on the podcast before, when you're when you read a comic, especially I think as a kid, the the amount of um, you give it like a really g- a lot of generosity because if you something comes across that you don't understand or I don't didn't understand, it was either oh well I'm a kid and an adult these how adult relationships work and I just don't understand those. Or this is something that the groundwork for which was laid down in a previous issue. Like, I don't know. Apparently it was an all romance issue because Damon Hillstorm is now in love with this woman that was only introduced three issues ago, but they had something happen that was very intense. And then you get to read the issue and you're like, no, 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 that didn't happen at all. So, um, the, the, the optical illusion that is superhero comics. The older I get, the more I'm like, did I ever really experience what I thought that I was experiencing, or was I just somehow thinking that You're I just, was experiencing you just it? Believed. But... Yeah, exactly, exactly. I I just believed that I was having that experience, um, and now that I'm older, I get to actually look at it and be like, uh, as Graham would say, oh no. <laughs> so that's that's actually the really
1: sad thing about reading uh collected editions like that like mm-hmm. th- it's funny i have no interest in son of satan as a character mm-hmm. i i am the anti-jeff yeah uh, but i saw this with, like i as i was looking up the issues i was like fuck it's only ten dollars mm-hmm. and then I, that then I had that moment of like it's probably all on unlimited if i really wanted to read it but there's there, like it's it feels like you know Years worth of appearances for that character. Yeah, well, and, and, yes. and you know, almost the complete. And I think that's a shame because I think when you're a kid, or even when you're not a kid, just when you're getting things in back issues and you don't get all of them at once, mm-hmm. there is something to filling in the blanks yourself.
0: Yeah, I, I think it really that, is. I, and, I, and when yeah. you get the whole thing, you're like, oh, okay. I, In fact, I, I would say, I just realized, maybe one of the things that works so well about monthly superhero comics is sort of the same way that Scott McCloud talks in Understanding Comics about how all the action happens in the gutters between panels. Similarly, all the action for comics happens between issues, you know, like... When you think back onto what you've read and looking forward to what's going to happen next yeah. or maybe you reread yeah. the and issues. That, that,
1: that really adds to it, Oh, you know, I, especially especially when you're a kid and yeah. the idea of like a month away seems unspeakably long.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and well,
1: you do obsessively think about what's going to happen next.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which you No, know? oh, no. I mean, do you have do you have comics? Have you had comics recently that you find yourself doing that obsessively? Like, what is coming next? Yeah, e- even even by that... the adult version of obsessive.
1: No, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, no, it's it's part of it is um like the closest I've come to that. And this isn't, like, obsessive in any real respect is, as you know, I've been buying back issues of Micronauts. Yes. And I've not been getting, like, I've been getting maybe a chunk at a time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But there's a, I, you know, I, I, I've i not even got half the series. Mm-hmm. um, And there's something about that. Like, so, you know, I've got issues, whatever, 20 through 35, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then I don't have anything until, like, issue 48. Mm-hmm. and there's something about the imagining what happens in that year mm-hmm. that that kind of feeds into it mm-hmm. do you know what I mean uh, as as in particular we were talking about recently I got the uh, Micronauts the New Voyages the second Marvel series mm-hmm. and it's only 20 issues and I'm I, pretty sure I said this in the podcast there was a midtowncomics.com uh, we're having a sale oh, and yeah. these issues were under a dollar mm. And I was like, fuck, they're under a dollar. <laughs> yeah, of course I'm going to buy this. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I got almost the entire series for, like, $6. Wow. Okay? But I didn't get the entire series. Mm-hmm. There were four issues missing. And those four issues, I had that feeling with. Mm-hmm. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I've got 13 in issue 15. I don't have issue 14. Mm-hmm. What happens in issue 14? You know, that, that filling in the gap aspect, you know, again, isn't, you know, obsessive. It's not like I, my everyday was like, what fucking happens in issue 14? Right. Does bug, you know, say something funny? Oh God. <laughs> but, but there is, but there is like the, 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 you have to fill in the gap. The, you don't just go on to the next issue bit. Right. Was there, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, there's definitely comics right now where I read them and I'm like, oh, I can't wait for the next issue. But it's yeah. not the same. Like, you're like, I can't wait for the next issue. I'm going to move on now. You know?
0: Yeah, no, agreed. I mean, I totally agreed. But, um, that well. I, so get, so
1: like, I get, that, get that through any good Judge Dredd strip in 2080.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Any good Judge Dredd strip in 2080. Like, I finished the five pages and I'm like, oh, I want to read the next chapter now. Mm-hmm. Like, without fail. Um, Tom Seeley's superpowers at the
0: end of Cave Carson. Oh, Jesus, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, on the next issue, Jeff. Holy shit. Holy shit. Have the you read it already? Out. The one that's coming out this week, I've read.
0: Ah, you bastard.
1: Uh, uh, it's uh, What Seeley does with three pages is great. Yeah. Because he's, he's so... It's uh, complete non-sequitur comics. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Uh, to give absolutely nothing away, the angel Etrigan,
0: Yes. No, when I saw that, actually, on seoli's Twitter, I got so excited, I jumped over to Comixology to buy the issue right there, and then I was like, oh, wait, he's talking about it's coming. He just got his copies. It's not because it's out yet. Those are the comp copies shit. And then I basically realized, oh, I don't really have Cave Carson on digital, uh, including issue three, which I just read yesterday i think and uh quite and again the superpowers on that tom sioli's origin of fucking green arrow of all things is just insane i'm shocked that dc published it yeah (laughs) i am i am shocked that dc published that i think it's great but but even there just the number of um the number of twists that Seoli throws into a single-page story um, there is stunning. Oh, there, to me. the 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 next the next issue, the one that's
1: out this Wednesday, mm-hmm. um, like so again, it's only three pages. The last panel on the last page is such a great moment of like, what the fuck yeah. that you are like, uh, where the fuck is this going? Because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. first of all. I'm still not sure if any of the stuff that isn't Zan and Jaya is really going to go anywhere or if it's literally him going, blah, here's right. an idea I had about, you know, or if it's actually leading anywhere. But the last panel comes out of nowhere and is such a great moment of like, oh, of course, that you can't believe it's not been done with the characters before.
0: Well, yeah. But also you're like, oh, but I would read this like if this was a, a multi-part story, I'd read it. Well, that's actually one of my, the, the closest thing I have to a sense of frustration about superpowers is this idea of like, fuck, just let Scioli do his version of basically the DC version of Earth You know, just let him have free license to take all this stuff and run with it the way that he's running with here and kind of take a full narrative go at it
1: because oh yeah i i I would love it if dc were just like here's a full-length superpower series
2: yeah
0: exactly exactly here's 12 issues
1: even yeah exactly well even if they're just like four issues because i mean how much does he fucking fit into you know three pages
0: well yeah but i mean that's it his his three pages thing is amazing and maybe it's unrealistic for me but i do appreciate the way that transformers versus gi joe like if you give him more length not only does he ma- somehow manage to, like, triple down on the amount of insane ideas, but he also does build in some areas for, um, I guess breathing room or character like, reflection yeah, or
1: growth yeah. or but, something uh, but like also,
0: that. Uh, yeah. An interesting amount of exploration. I do wonder how much that, Celia, how much that was John Barber, though. That's true. I, I could be, I could be mistaking that. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Superpowers, oh my God. It's yeah, amazing. Yeah, so, so, so yeah, so
1: yeah, Superpowers does, um, uh, it's not. Uh, it's not a. Uh, I want to know where the story goes next, per se. Mm-hmm. But Flintstones, I, I, you know,
0: Flintstones yes. was
1: double was every two every two weeks instead of every month. I'd be happy
0: with that. Well, it's funny uh, that you mentioned I, that because for me, what I wanted to say was is that the Flintstones and Unbeatable Score Girl, I both look forward to a lot every month, but they're also essentially done in ones, so it's not the same thing kind of I suppose
1: no, I understand uh, you know what what superhero comic is actually doing that for me right now mm-hmm.
0: the just like, suicide squad comic mm. oh yeah I think you did say something on, on Twitter yeah
1: it's just day. because it just and it's one of those things that I think would only, only works like a weekly comic and only works because it gets to be the first quote-unquote event mm-hmm. uh, of this nature because it's doing all these things that are kind of like you do them
0: once and then it's done. Mm-hmm. I mean, should I should I spoil it for you or not? Uh you yeah. this comic, are you? I don't know. I mean, that's the thing. I'm basically – I find myself vacillating because I, I – as you know, I Su- Suicide Squad is one of the books I have a subscription to. Uh, but part of me was like, I don't know if I want to get into this whole crossover thing. Anyway, shoot. Go ahead. Spoil away. Uh, well, what it, what is great is it's,
1: it relies very much on other DC properties. Mm-hmm. And every issue ends with a resetting of the status quo.
2: Hmm.
1: So you get, um the first issue ends with, it's not Su- Justice League versus Suicide Squad at all. Here are the, here are the real bad guys of the this, this series. Right. The second issue ends with, it's definitely not Justice League versus Suicide Squad because the Suicide Squad has just defeated the Justice League. Done. <laughs> it's it's over. Third issue ends with the Suicide Squad isn't the first Suicide Squad. The the bad guys in this story were the original Suicide Squad. Right. Fourth okay. issue ends with oh and by the way it's not Justice League versus Suicide Squad because here's Eclipso, and it's actually the Justice League has gone evil, and the Suicide Squad have to be the good guys to take them down because mm-hmm. Eclipso is here. You know, and so it keeps on going like, oh, it's not the story, it's not the comic you thought it was. Right. You know, it's because we're doing blah, because we're doing blah, because we're doing blah. And, you know, none of this is original. Mm-hmm. We've seen Eclipse take over the superheroes before. We've seen, you know, superhero team versus superhero team before. But it's just because it's coming out weekly, you mm-hmm. forgive it, you for these, like, the unoriginal, unoriginality because the momentum just keeps up. Right. It's literally, you think we're this, we're not. You think we're this, we're not. You think we're this, we're not. And all of it is done slickly enough that you're like, I am along for this right. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Like, even even the, this week's issue that's coming out
2: mm-hmm.
1: takes the, it's, it's the Justice League, but they've been eclipsed,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and within the first three pages of the comic, it goes, that's actually not what this comic is about. Wow. Because we're doing this other thing. And then ten pages afterwards, it's like, oh, that thing as well? It's not. We've been lying to you this time. It's actually this. It's this weirdly hyperactive comic that I love.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know? It's, uh, versus I read the, the final issue of Civil War II. Because mm-hmm. I was like – because I, I do this. I always read the first issue and last issue for work. I always buy them for work, and I'm like, there's probably going to be something that I will need to know about. Sure. Um, and the last issue of Civil War II is terrible because it it fucks up its own premise how so uh so it's all been about ulysses and like can ulysses see the future right and the end of it is literally a massive fight between captain marvel and iron man mm-hmm. and in the middle of this ulysses shows them he's like oh i should you guys i'm seeing lots of visions here's the guest artist to see future events <laughs> And then Eternity shows up and is like, you are actually a cosmic being. Come and be a cosmic being with me.
0: The end. Oh, boy. That's – wow.
1: Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And then there's an epilogue where it's like, hey, Carol, you know how you were going to kill Tony? You couldn't kill him because he's a futurist. And so he built in a, his own <laughs> iron lung." <laughs> Brian
0: Bendis again is not some of the futurists is. Um, It's again, true Brian Bendis' definition of the Futurist is the funniest fucking Thing ever because he keeps selling, selling it <laughs> It's just it, I'm just like oh it's uh, The best he's like he's a futurist He he knows the future it's like That's, that's not what it means It's ah uh, Oh god I Bendis is the Funniest guy for that reason I think Um but I say that because I don't have to buy his event comics anymore, so.
1: Well, so, yeah, so that happens. And then the Beast is like,
0: but it's okay. He knows
1: you're a good guy, really. And then Carol goes to see the president. The president's like, good job. You can do whatever you want now. <laughs> and that's the end of the comic. I mean, it's, it's you're like, what is this? Yeah. Is
0: this actually meant to be the end of a story? Where's the end? Yeah. Yeah, Civil War 2 is uh I have to say I I I don't think I think I read the first couple of freebie like reading the first three first issues or whatever was enough for me. I was like, okay, I'm 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 out of here. But uh I'm fascinated to how like after issue 3 where I guess the Hulk got killed, no, I didn't hear anyone talk about anything until until this final issue which literally was people or people picking it up and being like, yeah, this sucks. And that's, that's about the only thing I've actually literally heard about it since the Hulk dying. Um, it just, yeah, it's, it's cause, cause I don't think anything happened in between.
2: And I'm, I'm like
1: not it. being sarcastic. Yeah. I, I think there, I think there was lots of issues of filler. I think there's lots of issues of people going, Oh no, can he tell the future? I don't think he can tell the future. Maybe he can tell the future. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs>
0: Ah, it's so bad. That is, that is just, well, so. And, and so, and so yeah. after that, like, Suicide Squad
1: mm-hmm. Justice League is, is, is amazing. Me, sure. <laughs> Cause it's just like, it's just like, I'm changing the story. I'm changing the story. I'm changing the story. I'm changing the story. Hey, did you read Unstoppable Wasp number one? I did not. Uh, yeah. and in fact, I saw someone on Twitter reviewed it in such a way that I was like, I can't read this until I forget this review.
0: Oh, interesting. Uh, why is that? That's fascinating.
1: Because the panels they were using to illustrate how charming this comic was made it look like the most annoying comic in the world. <laughs> uh, I, 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 thought I, I it was mostly They were giving it like, they were giving it an amazing free right. pass. Cause they were like, look girls! And I was like, oh shit, really? <laughs> Um, I to, I, I've turned it to grouchy fuck about Twitter. I saw someone on Twitter today be like, I get really pissed off when people say that artists should know about perspective. If you've done it and you care about it, then it's good. And I want to be like, no! <laughs> You're, it's fine if you love it. Then that's great. You can love it. But that doesn't make it good.
0: <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Well, that that is that is very important, uh, as you know. That's one, that's one of my big rallying cries. It's like, please, please, please let's let's separate out things that we like that and stop automatically equating with them with therefore things that are good like a lot of confusion has has happened as a result of that so um. anyway unstoppable wasp jeff unstoppable wasp i thought was a pretty fun little read i'm looking forward to checking out the next issue certainly liked it more than the first issue of patsy walker hellcat for example but uh i'd be curious to see what you think because it has a Um, I guess this is not exactly surprising, a very cheerful, uh, protagonist, um, in a way I was going to say like, which I think is so refreshing. I'm like, well, actually so does Unbeatable Squirrel Girl now that I think about it. I'm like, huh, wait, would I think of Gwenpool as a a protagonist? Anyway, I don't know. I just love Hellcat. Hellcat has a, a, has that as well. And you don't like Hellcat. Yeah, but that's because I, I thought the, I thought that it was a, a, not a very well written book. I mean, for me, I was I, I've been meaning to re- recheck it out on uh, Marvel Unlimited. But the first issue I was like, uh, the jokes. I, 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 not
1: I find so Hellcat c- Yeah, I find Hellcott completely charming, but uh Charming in I don't know, charming in a way that like I feel like
0: I'm just charmed because I like what it's wanting to do, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well see, and that's it. I feel like Unbeatable Wasp Unbeatable Wasp. That's not right. The Unstoppable Wasp is uh, closer to doing what Hellcat is supposed to be doing. You know, I mean, I'm glad that Marvel's kind of got their books that are like, "Hey, we want to do funny, lighter stuff." I think I think that's great. I mean, I I adore Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. I really do. Um, but it is. Uh, You know, I seem to to be a sucker for the formula because I'm kind of like, yeah, this one worked. Didn't so much with the Hellcat one, but I think that that was maybe just, just really didn't like some of the plotting or pacing choices. And admittedly, this first issue is very much a kind of, it gets a little bit of a pass for being a first issue. I mean, it sets up the character. It has some stuff. There's conflicts. There's fights or there's origins and things. Um, but it is very much like okay, bring give me the second issue. What have you got? You know, mm-hmm. um, I should also mention that uh, uh, I caught up on Moon Knight, the um, Jeff Lemire, Jeff Lemire, and, Lemire Greg Skull, Smallwood. Yes, yeah. Uh, along with their their, you know, they had the arc with a bunch of guest artists, and it's a shame because I was so loving the first. I want to say seven issues of the of the book were just really exciting and interesting to me, and now I'm kind of like the last two or three are, unless it's going to go someplace different, which I imagine that it. I'm hoping that it will. I was like, oh, oh, really? This is where you're going with this? Wow, that's a that's a huge rollback. So, it's on, kind of a change.
1: On your recommendation of it, I read the first four on Marvel Unlimited. Oh, great. And what do you think? It's a lovely looking book that I don't want to read.
0: <laughs> it is a lovely looking I mean, it's, book. It's
1: beautiful. Yeah, art, isn't it? It's yeah. is
0: absolutely, absolutely stunning. And of course, uh, as you but, know, but the, story, yes. the story just feels very Jeff Lemire by numbers. See, and maybe I just haven't read enough Jeff Lemire stuff because I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting, especially I guess four isn't really where it happens. Five or six is where they take the sort of next level of, uh, uh,
2: hmm,
0: of stuffness to it. But yeah, I was kind of like, no, I, I sort of dig the what's real, what's not. What's great is, is that, you know, especially with poor Moon Knight, that's a character that has just been shifted through so many... Um, Status quo changes that felt kind of arbitrary and weird. That I that Lemire's basically taking a character that no one can kind of make up their minds on and being like, Oh, but that's the problem with the character, not the idea, you know, is essentially exactly. Is,
1: yeah, that that actually a thing
0: that's yeah. text,
1: not not meta text,
0: exactly. And I, I really like I thought that was like a very clever swerve in some ways. It's sort of actually amusingly enough is the swerve that everyone kept trying to do with Son of Satan during, over the course of all those issues, which would have been fine if it had been more than like three issues and then three issues of everything you know is wrong and then three issues later, everything you know is wrong. You know, kind of like there's no status quo really laid out there, yeah. which yeah. Moon Knight sort of has but is in danger of losing. So I'd be very curious. I hope that they, I hope Lemire, I suspect he won't. Uh, stick around once it gets to the end of this particular story slash you know is the series even sticking around for some reason I think the series is ending so. is it? It, it it that would be I, a shame I, I don't I don't know me. Hang on I'll
1: look up Marvel's March solicits and tell you if it's that it.
0: okay because I sort of thought that it was doing not much worse than everything else certainly you know I mean that means nothing I know I know. Oh no, it looks like it is. It yeah, is issue 12. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, issues, issue 12 is, is there. Yeah, I definitely saw pre-orders on comicsology, I think, through issue 12, but it wouldn't surprise me if after that it's like, hmm, see you guys. We're going to try and go the vision route with this one. So,
1: um. Oh, you, you know Marvel would have kept the vision going if they hadn't lost Tom King.
0: Oh yeah. The, and, the most
1: critically acclaimed book out of that publisher.
0: <laughs> no, I know. Well, and, and, and this uh, this Moon Knight runs getting a lot of I think a certain it, it amount really of is. Yeah, yeah. So it's, get, it's getting a lot of people talking about it. Yeah, exactly. So because again, as you point out, the art is beautiful on it. So, uh, but yeah, Lemire does this really crazy thing for the next arc, and I was like, oh man, this is wow. Where's it going to go from here? And then he's like, eh, yeah, now I'm rolling it back. Ah anyway, you guys remember the first four issues like those kind of doing this again, but it's going to be different. How? Well, you'll see. Sort of. Maybe you'll see. Uh,
1: did, did you read Lemire's uh, Hawkeye? No, no, I didn't. Uh it, It's It's kind of amazing because again, it looks amazing. It mm-hmm. looks so good. I can't even remember who the artist is, but it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful book and Lemire seems to have absolutely no idea what he's doing with it. Mm. Like it is, it is such a pretty, such a terrible book. <laughs> uh, and it, it's funny. It reminds me of um, Lamar's green arrow, which I read in one sitting. Cause again, I got all the, the collections at the library. Wow. Um, and again, is one of those books where you're like, this looks amazing, but mm-hmm. at least halfway through this, Jeff Lamar lost what he was doing with the story. <laughs>
0: He's writing like seventy-two books in a month. He'll be well, fine. he really is. He's he's got like a crazily high turnout of stuff, and I, I just I'm I'm woefully underread when it comes to Jeff Lemire. But uh, you know the Moon Knight stuff. I was like, oh hey, this guy. Maybe I should really uh, check him out more. But I I think I'm really going to wait and see how things end up to see if I really do do yeah. that. Well, uh, but also you have Marvel Unlimited, so you can read a, a chunk of his stuff for note. Oh yeah, that is true. That you is – you're right. I can probably read – God, because he, he did Hawkeye. He did –
1: what else was he, he doing did for Marvel? Series, he did two series of Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. He does extraordinary X-Men. Right. Um. He does – he does another – oh, Old Man Logan. He's doing Old Man Logan as well. Ah,
0: interesting. Huh. Okay. Uh. Yes. Yeah. I am – part of me is – honestly, seeing uh Dylan Todd read – uh 90s new warrior comics on his twitter <laughs> on
1: twitter yes. yeah
0: i'm i'm kind of like i think that's what i want to be reading you know i i, think I that's thought i, I thought be. that then i tried the first issue i was like maybe not yeah it's kind of tough it's kind of it is but
1: it did make me want to go back and read more uh tom de run friends Thor. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well that's where they come from Oh really? Is that where they spring the out? New, of? The New Warriors,
1: the New Warriors, first show up in two issues of of the Defalco Friends Thor.
0: Oh, I didn't realize. Huh. I'll be damned. Um, I, and
1: I, I honestly have the strange feeling it's like because Defalco is such an old school Marvel head that he's like, of course, this is what happens. Thor is getting his ass handed to him by can't even remember Juggernaut maybe. Okay. Um, so of course a super team will come to help him. Mm -hmm. Who's a good super team? What if I do the new Teen Titans? We don't own them? Okay, then. New, uh, (laughs) fuck it. Workers. They're also teenagers. That'll work. Make it work, friends.
0: (laughs) Maybe, although that seems to me sort of the other way around. You know what I mean? Like, kind of the whole, like, hey, we got this character... Um, you know, Laverne and Shirley, we want, Oh, well, actually I'm trying to think which one of the happy days characters were stealth launched. Like Mork was Mork. Did Mork pop Mork, up on Mork happy Mindy, days? Mork and Mindy. Yeah. 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 Mork, Mork, with sure Mork, Mork and bad. Mindy coming. Okay. So very much like that. Kind of like, oh, we've got this new, we've got our new Teen Titans ripoff team, but we have to show they're awesome. How can we do that? Oh, I know everyone's thrilling out to Tom DeFalco's uh, Thor with Ron friends. Let's have him save Thor. And everyone will be like, these characters are the most awesome characters ever. Night Thrasher is on a skateboard. Uh, honestly, <laughs> I got to admit, I still want to read it just for that. You know, it's like I had the one thing that it's like, I got out of the nineties. I was like, man, I can't believe I didn't read any Night Thrasher comics. That really bumps me out. So. <laughs>
1: He could be the character find of twenty seventeen. He could be. He does. He does show up at Al Ewing's uh, Contest of Champions.
0: Oh, does he? Oh. Yeah, he does. Plus Al Ewing.
1: Which, if you are um, at a loose end and have Marvel uh, Unlimited, I think you'd really take Contest of Champions.
0: No, I know. I I think so, and yeah, I've been 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 meaning because, to do because it. Because so,
1: I, yeah. I think it's it's the right um, playfulness. Mm-hmm. That I think would really appeal to you. Yeah, yeah. you know, and not only because as the British Punisher, who for some reason I find remarkably amusing. <laughs> He's one of those characters of the early issues.
0: Really? See, I just I, everything everything about it sounds pretty awesome. I just for whatever reason I don't remember why I didn't jump in on it. I think it was my. F- I don't know. Anyway, yes, I will have to well, check you, it out. You offer. You have your
1: Marvel Unlimited thing, which is you won't, you f- regret you forget to check it, and then when you do,
0: you're like inevitably reading something from the seventies. Yes, that is a chunk of it. I mean, it 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 yeah. There's there's a lot there for whatever reason. Um, I I've talked about how I felt Marvel Unlimited was a as an improved service, but I have to say that there are just enough snags on it that I can never really. Do the, oh, I'm just going to sit on the couch and read, you know, 30 issues at a go, you know, in part because I can get maybe eight issues into it and then it starts glitching and then I'm like, oh, OK, I'll, you know, five more than me. <laughs> yes, but still you Seriously, manage to three, keep the Three games. issues in, and that's it. Right. Right. Well, I, I, I am better off than that, but yeah, but it will at some point glitch up and I'm like, okay, well, I'll put it down and come back to it. And then inevitably what ends up happening is I end up opening stuff on comiXology. I mean, I should mention that among other things I've read Platinum Man, Superwoman, uh, the new Hook Jaw, which I have to say was a really interesting read. Cause I'm like, Oh man, Cy Spurrier. Good job if nothing else for making me realize how hard it is to write a good hook jaw comic. Uh, and that sounds like a real diss from Spurrier. I think he does a good job, but it's, it's much harder to write a killer, uh, a gr killer great white shark comic book in these times than it was back in the seventies. You know what I mean? I, I really liked hook Joshua one, but I'm not sure it's a good hook jaw story. That's actually my biggest complaint about it was from the first page. I was like, uh, this isn't really a hook jaw story. You know, honestly, as it went on, I thought they, I thought that Spurrier did a re- pretty good job of fleshing out the sort of original hook jaw premise kind of, of like, oh, you've got your goodies and you've got your baddies and which one's going to get eaten next, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I I think that that is a good job. And then Spurrier also has a... I mean, I think this is the problem. Great white sharks are seen very differently in the scientific community and by the world, you know, than when they were basically just evil killing machines back in the 70s. And evil killing, if you don't have an evil killing machine, it's really hard to write it up as hook job. But... But we know so many more things about Great White Snout than we used to. So Spurrier has to talk about any number of things, including not least of which, you know, the fact is that we've learned is the great white sharks really don't like eating people. It's like kind of a really bad mistake. It's you know? It yeah,
1: it's it kind of hurts Hookjaw when you know that Hookjaw doesn't really want to attack you.
0: Yeah. Exactly. You're like, huh, so the devil shark is not a devil shark? And Spurrier being like, no, 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 Uh, give me a second. I can figure this out. Uh, Okay, so I think I've just about got it, Uh, but tune into next issue to make sure that I do. But uh, yeah, Hookjaw is evil, um, but in a different way. And it's kind of like, it just doesn't have that kind of, uh, just doesn't have the same... Just to it you know I mean don't get me wrong I will be buying the next issue also I have to say that Hookjaw in his original incarnation where he's basically a shark and there's a little bit of a thing sticking out of his there's a little hook is one thing but the new Hookjaw where he's basically got an entire gaff slash harpoon through the side of his mouth and I'm just like that looks kind of awkward He's he should be called awkward jaw you know I don't think that's <laughs> – although now that if I'm I thinking about it, jaw. I'm thinking that I, I realize I have to pitch DC – if DC's looking to make more of those like gritty Hanna-Barbera comics, if I could pitch Jabberjaw <laughs> as basically Hookjaw but like with the Jabberjaw characters in it, I think that would be great because you didn't – you never saw Jabberjaw I'm assuming, right Graham? No, I saw Jabberjaw. You saw Jabberjaw? Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> I, I just – I was just – for people who – I mean, uh, I I think we've – I don't know. I, I wanted to do like Patreon surveys now that they're available. But I'm pretty sure the medium age of people listening to our podcast is 85. But for those of you who don't remember uh, Jabberjaw, Graham, how did you encounter – Was Via the Laugh Olympics? Or did you actually see Jabberjow? Uh, the co- I, I saw j- jabberjaw you,
1: you forget. We had, like, weird cartoon. Like, I grew up on Birdman <sighs> and the Galaxy Trio. Because wow. we had, like, old... There was a show called Glenn Michael's Cartoon Cavalcade that would show, like, really old, cheap cartoons that they had the license for. Well,
0: and that's Jabberjaw right there, so... Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, well, that's great. I mean, let's face it. It's a shark that's in a band that talks like Curly from the three stooges. And yet they also solve crimes a la Scooby-Doo and get chased around by ghosts. But I think maybe also underwater, I forget how that happens. But like Jabberjaw is an amazingly like it. it is. If you ever wondered what happened to creativity after it died, Jabberjaw is actually a really good, um, uh, Proof of concept as to what what that it, looks like. Is Jabberjaw
1: actually Hanna Barbera?
0: Yeah, Jabberjaw is Hanna Barbera. because it rips the uh, Scooby Doo template like off left, right, and center. But uh, also, I want to say that Jabberjaw ends up in the Laugh Olympics again. So, yeah, no, no, Hanna Barbera, man. So, people who, uh, anyone who's got like a, a pitch to DC in, you're welcome. Um, feel free to. <laughs> Feel free to jabber that jaw. Only make him like, make sure that he's still in the band, but he's also killing people on the side. Because he's hook jaw. He's hook jabber jaw. He's ja- ja- hooker jaw. Hooker jaw. There we go. <laughs> no. 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 <laughs> Grant McMillan, we've gone on hideously long yeah
1: we've got on far too long tonight yeah so you have to edge this motherfucker
0: i know i i i wish you'd pointed that out at the beginning of the conversation because i think i maybe would have uh would have kept more of my goddamn opinions to myself i would have been like nobody needs to hear about the son of satan you know but um uh, but that's that's just denying you guys the gold so graham mcmillan we're back next week right aren't we is that a thing we are back next week we are back next week with another episode
1: of wait what yes it's yes, not a building. we did that last week it's two way right next to
0: each other how the hell did that happen it happens it somehow it does happen i think i think we went through that mighty period where like either you or i would have our lives more or less fall apart right in the middle of the month and then we'd be like oh well, god skip yeah. week we, you, you know what it actually was is was when you went away we did we we got mixed make something our backs oh god center. yeah jesus you're right uh Right. Oh, right. Because we have to. Well, right. Because it's supposed to be the second month. The second week of the month is the Baxter building. And we haven't been doing that. So, hmm. well, anyway, people, you were listening to us. Um, <laughs> Wait, no, it's, it's, Jeff,
1: Yes. just back off. This is my part. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, stand back. I got this. <laughs> yeah. What nots? This is when I tell you that you can find us all over the fucking internet. We are at waywadpodcast.com where you can find show notes for this episode, for Baxter Buildings, uh essays from Matt Terrell, maybe one day essays from Jeff and I if we ever have time again. Oh, who God. the fuck knows? Yeah. In the meantime, you can however find uh, daily posts for for the last couple of weeks for no immediately apparent reason, every day apart from Friday who <laughs> knows why, uh, on com uh you can also find us on twitter at wait what podcast you can find jeff solo on twitter at LazyBastid, at l a z y b s t i d you can find me solo on twitter at graham m at g r a e m e m and we are a patreon supported podcast when i say the word patreon Jeff gets super excited <laughs> kicks his little legs and says,
0: Oh boy oh boy Patreon, we actually really do love Patreon. I wish Gra- Graham's image of me just sort of uh, salivating like Ernie or Gus Gus whenever he says Patreon is a, is a delightful image, uh, and it's true that we are heavily indebted to the wonderful people who support us on Patreon. Uh, they make this all possible. Um, the Baxter Building is. ...exists in the world precisely and exactly because of the level of patron support that we received. And we're super grateful to everyone uh, for their generous generosity, um, especially the kind crew at American Ninth Art Studios and Empress Audrey, Queen of the Galaxy. Uh, we are deeply indebted to both of them, not least of which for their continuing preservation of the cosmos as we know it. Graham?
1: Thank you once again for not destroying the universe. I've grown quite attached to it. Although, with 2017 looking the way it looks, really, I might not think that for (laughs) once.
2: We will be back!
1: (laughs) We'll be back next week uh, with more absolutely random ramblings. I think this was a great first episode of the year because it is one of the most random episodes we've had in a while. Um, (laughs) Until then... This is when I have to sing y'all by going Bye
0: Well done. Oh I remember that. Yeah, that that is how it ends. Yeah, okay. <laughs>